Hello and welcome to this uh, very special uh, episode of Shit Shooters. Uh, I guess this is a Shit Shooters thing. We'll, we'll just we'll we'll make it a Shit Shooters thing. Yeah, uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah, sure, yeah, right. Uh, and uh, this is our uh, Explosion Defeated Crews. Uh, just the two of us. <laughs> um, <Yep>. Our our <laughs> discussion, uh, kind of deep dive into our personal games of the year for 2020 because uh we both think game of the year stuff is kind of fun to do on a personal level and uh uh we both have uh some interesting things to say, say i think about uh each of our picks so basically the the, the way that this structure is going to work is that we're going to do the whole first half of the episode here uh is going to consist of us talking about Wyatt's picks. Uh, Wyatt's going to talk about some of the runners-up and all that stuff, uh, I assume. <laughs> we haven't really yeah. gone too, too heavily over this. And then we're going to get really deep and kind of talk extensively about his top pick, and then pretty much the same thing is going to happen over for on my side as well, though I think we both took pretty different approaches to how we ordered our lists and stuff, and we definitely don't both have the same top game. So, uh... Yeah, so, uh, 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 and I will say, I guess at least in regards to my list, and also I guess, uh, like, they're not paying us or anything, but I do, I kind of want to throw a shout out and say that, uh, for any extra detail that you would like to see on some of the picks, especially for the games that, uh, aren't the game of the year that we're going to talk about in, uh, extensively in the, in the show, at least, uh, on my end, uh, there is a website called Backlogged, which is uh, a website you can use for kind of like, uh, it's kind of like letterboxed for movies, uh, but for games. And uh, you can use it to kind of log a lot of the games that you play in a certain year, or kind of uh, uh, you can write little reviews, give little star ratings and stuff. And it's just a, a fun little kind of social platform uh, to, to, to share some some ideas about games and to share like kind of collections or, or, or you know, what kind of stuff you've been playing. And uh, I've been writing some reviews on and off here. Uh, honestly, I write some reviews before we talk about things on Shit Shooters. So you can get spoilers for future Shit Shooters episodes Ooh. if you look at some of my <laughs> my backlogged reviews. Like, I think I put my Shin Megami Tensei review, like, a week before the Shit Shooters episode came out where I talked about playing through that game. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, so uh, I think if you want any more detail, you might want to hit up our accounts on there. Uh, it's, I think, I, I think for me, it's, it's, it's just my, my regular account name, Anti Laser. But uh, <laughs> I've been shouting them out for too long. But I uh, uh, just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Uh, but um, Wyatt, do you want to just go ahead and get started? Roll. Oh, yeah. Let's roll right into yeah. it. Now, yeah. I decided to just stick with five games, like a top five game. I've played more than five games but i assume you hadn't really played that many more than five for this year like new games unless yeah. unless you are giga brained enough to incorporate older games that you played this year into your year of the game of the year list which uh right you know you probably didn't but but, <laughs> but uh, i do have a lot of honorable mentions some of them are games that i played a lot of and enjoyed uh but never completed and then some of them are ones that didn't make the cut of the top five so i'll go over them very quickly uh 
And this isn't in any order or anything. These are just, they're all in the general category of honorable mentions. And I'll give a very brief description of why they're good and why, or why they didn't make the cut or whatever. Right. Uh, So Tony Hawk one and two, that's on the honorable mentions. This one hurt a lot because I fucking love this game so much. And I really, really want three and four like yesterday. You know, uh, the thing is, I've only really played through the first part of it. I've only played through all the Tony Hawk 1 levels. I haven't really even touched the Tony Hawk 2 stuff in this game. And I definitely plan on doing it. Uh, And, you know, if you've seen my Megas XLR review, you know (laughs) that uh, (laughs) 35% of that review is actually about Tony Hawk and how much I love these games. So there you go. It's very important, very special. It's special to get a new Tony Hawk game and it's treated with respect. And, you know, it's it's this old game in a new shell. Uh, you know, the, they have, like, the soundtracks right, even if it's not the same songs. The look is right. The feel is right. Everything is great. They take all the improvements from later games and then put it into this one. So thumbs up on that. But, again, I don't think I've played enough of it to truly count it as uh, a goatee contender. And like right. it is like that top five stuff is pretty steep competition. So next yeah. is Animal Crossing, which I feel is the emotional game of the year for everybody. Uh, I don't think I need to elaborate much further than that, but like it came at a very sensitive point in this very strange, dark, horrible year. Uh, and it kind of acted as like a consistent beacon and like a, a very steady rock that kind of held everybody in place and made them remember time and like <laughs> their surroundings that kept everybody in reality. And uh, I appreciate it in that sense. Yeah, definitely. But I only played it for like, like 10 or 15 hours. I did not construct the tower of Babel uh, in it. Sadly, <laughs> unlike some people who did. <laughs> so yeah. uh, again, like it's, it gets a huge gold star, but not quite on my top five no straight roads an excellent indie game made by one of the developers of final fantasy 15 it's about punk rock versus edm and it has great punk rock and edm music in it uh it's like it's like a kind of a character action game slash rhythm game um it's based around malaysian culture in a lot of ways and yeah it, it looks great it kind of ran like shit <laughs> when when yeah. I first was yeah. playing it on, it, like even on my Xbox One X, which at right. the time was the most powerful console in the world. <laughs> Not anymore. Now, yeah, now <laughs> I have the second most powerful console in the world with the PS5. Mm, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I love the PS5. Right, that game's great. Uh, it's pretty hard, though. So, like, it won't be an easy breezy afternoon thing, but it is a pretty short game if you like no more heroes especially i do uh, you'll probably yeah you'll probably really like the game then um astro's playroom on the ps5 it's essentially just a tech demo so i kind of felt weird about counting it as a true contender for like game of the year uh but it's filled with so much very bizarre fan surface for the entirety of sony's history and while there's a few games that i was like oh there is no wild arms reference in it there's so many of them that i'm like i don't even want to spoil 
some of the more like, what the fuck do they reference that game? Uh, it's also just a great 3D platformer, uh, and it really makes me depressed about the future of the PS5 because no other game will ever use that controller anywhere near as creatively <laughs> as <laughs> this game does, unless it's another Astro game. A, ga- <laughs> a game I just beat, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Uh, I think it's a huge improvement over the first game in some ways, but uh, it's lesser in other ways. Uh, I think that the original game is a very good game. I know we've kind of given it crap here and there, like throughout the uh, shit shooters. And this is not a Tokusatsu podcast, but I did really enjoy it. It was still on my top 10 of 2018. And that was a pretty stacked year. Uh, it just is unfortunate that into the spider verse came out that same year. And that's my favorite Spider-Man thing. Cause I am more of a, you know, cartoon guy than I am a video game guy let alone a video game trying to be like a prestige, you know, HBO show of a video game. Uh, Miles Morales dials it back. It's shorter, but I think that actually benefits the game. It has a more like, it's more centered around Harlem than it is around just the entirety of New York City. So it has that kind of more community feel. They do Miles well as a character. The only problem is... uh, it's basically the Majora's mask to Ocarina of Time, you know, where it's like the only reason they're able to get this game out within two years is because they copied pretty much everything from the first game. Like, right. Miles plays decently different from Spider-Man, but like the enemies that you fight and even the general plot is pretty much the same. Uh, It just doesn't culminate with like the Sinister Six or anything. And the final boss, while really cool, is not as emotionally charged as Doc Ock at the end of the first Spider-Man game. Though I do love Insomniac, so I am excited for the new Ratchet and Clank. So, thumbs up to that. Uh, (laughs) This one's going to be a quick one. Panzer Paladin, an indie game. I got it on Switch. Man, that game looks sick. Yeah, it's very fucking cool. It's like if Shatterhand or like Power Blade on the NES fused with Breath of the Wild's weapon system with the breakable weapons yeah Uh, it's essentially you play as a robot and you just grab whatever throughout the level and you use that as like like a sword a club and a spear are like the three the weapon triangle uh and then it's like very stupid very cool (laughs) just like huge send-off to like to mecha and tokusatsu and you go around the world fighting like you know yetis and shit like yeah. You, you you fight like mythical creatures all around the world. Uh, it has a ridiculous anime story with all these cool characters in it. Uh, a lot of fun. Didn't beat it. That's why it's not in a contender. Same with Curse of the Moon 2. A sequel to a very, very good, surprisingly good game from 2018. The Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. Uh, the 8-bit version of Bloodstained to the point where like... I would say that I think the original Curse of the Moon is one of the best classic Castlevania games that has ever existed. I think this right. is a really good sequel. It's just way too fucking hard. They just go a little bit too far with making it, you know, like for hardcore bad butt gamers that yeah. it, I think it just crosses a line. But it is a very cool game. Uh, and then my last two are ones that only technically count moon 
which I have not played, but I appreciate it coming out. So it gets an automatic yeah. <laughs> consideration. Yeah. And Hoshi wo Mirohito, which is so bad that it loops around infinity and becomes one of the best games of the year. Uh, so. <laughs> so that's my, that's my honorable mentions list. Right. Uh, like I said, I had a ton of them, so I want to get through them very quickly. Yeah. Uh, now we can get into all the, the top five, the real meat of it. Uh, 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 just really quick, just just if I can make a couple notes on. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, 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 just I, I I just have two things. One, I actually did play Moon. Uh, not all the mm. way through. Not all the way through. But it's fucking unbelievably good. Uh, it's just really really hard, and it's also it's also like. Like not even just in like game design, it's also like kind of hard to wrap your head around sometimes. Uh, yeah. And some of the scripting is very strange. Uh, so uh, yeah, I haven't beaten it yet, and uh, I really um, uh, oh no, but I just I just also love that that game came out. Uh, Tim Rogers translation, by the way, fucking yeah, yeah, friend, the fr- lo- love friend Tim of the show, friend of the Tim show. Rogers. Yeah, we're just gonna say friend of the show, Tim Rogers. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> I've uh, watched all of his videos, so we're basically friends. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. how it works. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, and then the uh, other thing I wanted to mention is uh, Astrobot. Uh, I, I'm I, all, all, all I was gonna say is that uh, for me personally, if I had played that game this year. This past year, uh, uh, fucking tech demo, tech demo or not, that I bet you anything that game would have been in my top five. <laughs> so I, I, I'm yes. just saying that, like, I would have crossed the line no matter what yeah. and stuff. And, I, and I'm glad you set that barrier for yourself because it's very respectful of you. But, but, yeah. Uh, but I look at that game and I'm just like, man, that looks real good. <laughs> so, so, so I probably yeah. would not have fucking set that barrier. I've just been like, nah, fuck it top five of the year fucking who gives a shit at this game's two hours uh but yeah i don't know that's all i gotta say about uh your honorable Absolutely. mentions yeah uh it's very you're good stuff. you know you're right in a lot of ways uh i wanted to put astrobot on there but it was you know i i feel like i have a little bit more interesting stuff to say about my actual top five that i yeah. curated so yeah and we're Go gonna kind of start with the one yeah. one that I have number. It kind of goes in order from the ones that I have the most to say about. Yeah. Uh. So number five, that would be the Pathless, which I just beat, but it was so good, uh, and I and I knew it was very very good because I had been playing it up until then, up until now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a game by Giant Squid, the guys who did Abzu. Uh, Giant Squid's a company made by uh, ex-employees at Sony that made Fl- uh, Flow, Flower, and Journey. Uh, yeah. And then went on to make Abzu, and then went on to make this. So if you've not played Journey, play that game as soon as possible. Uh, and then <laughs> come and play this game. Uh, and then also play Abzu, because that's very good. Um the Pathless is essentially a game where you're, it's like, it is Breath of the Wild fused with Journey, is the best way I can describe it. Uh, but, like, all of the best parts of both games, and it kind of creates a unique flavor to it. 
Uh, you have like a hugely huge open world with gorgeous cel-shaded graphics, you know, which is similar between both games. You play as a, an archer lady with her hawk. It's a game about going around uh, solving puzzles, environmental puzzles, or like little mini dungeon puzzles, getting an artifact. And then once you get a certain amount of them, you can go to a lighthouse and kind of like, you know, activate it. The thing that's different from, say, any other open world game is that there is no map. You can't look at a map. You just kind of have to look at your surroundings and see where everything is and explore. Uh, because of this game design, they make it so that, uh, you know, you don't need to do every single puzzle that exists in order to move through the game. You just need to do whichever ones you can find as long oh, as you hit huh. a certain requirements. So, you know, that's kind of similar to Breath of the Wild, right. where, like, you know, you don't need to do all the shrines. And if you do do them, you, you know, <laughs> you won't exactly be, like, rewarded for it. Uh, it might test your patience, in fact. But uh, in every... It's it's Breath of the Wild in the same way that Breath of the Wild is the Metroid of Zelda games. Uh, in that... One thing I always really liked about Breath of the Wild was that it doesn't... It kind of foregoes having, like, dungeons and, like, like the Wind Temple and the whatever temple. Um, and has just, like domains that are like ruled over by some type of gigantic monster uh and they're giant robots in breath of the wild but they're literally giant monsters giant flaming like creatures in pathless they're very fucking cool looking <laughs> and like it's essentially the same thing as like fighting with the divine beasts before you enter them in breath of the wild mm-hmm. i'm presuming people listening to this have played breath of the wild if not just go with it, okay? Um, just just nod and say, yeah, that's a thing in that game. Um, so what kind of makes this a, a game of the year thing is that, uh, you know, like I said, it kind of takes the best moments of these two games, Journey and Breath of the Wild, and kind of like distills them into one game. Breath of the Wild will probably like to get the full experience from it might take you from anywhere from like 20 30 hours uh maybe it took me 50 hours to beat it the first time that i played through it uh this you can beat in like three hours Mm. but it doesn't feel any less epic yeah Uh, and like the puzzles are still incredibly clever and some of them are very like huh what the hell do i do a lot of them have to do with you know just the bow because there isn't really any other uh, mechanic other than your hawk that you have with your eagle right that is essentially like the paraglider um and the game has like similar to journey it, it has a like there's like narration and like talking characters but it doesn't have an overt literal story to it um and then i guess all i can say to put a pin on it is that the, the way that the game ends uh, I shouted Super Metroid while playing it <laughs> because the final boss was so similar to the the Mother Brain right. and that whole sequence of like, oh, you're fighting a thing that you cannot beat by right. any means and then you're given yeah. the power via the sacrifice of something in order to yeah. use it to beat 
you know and then there's a there's a moment at the end that's very like this is the shooting it with the hyper beam right uh like in super metroid and and that just made me very excited uh it's the uh, metroidvania games ever since super metroid have not come close to capturing that final section of super metroid so it's weird that i got it from this game but it was a welcome surprise so yeah. thumbs up you know, five out of five to Pathless. Uh, beautiful music, beautiful game. You can complete it in like a weekend. Uh, I was playing the PS5 version of it, where it runs at a silky smooth oh, man. 60 FPS. But oh man, you know. oh yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, uh, Super Metroid really is just why it's activation phrase. You can basically hear his ears perk up whenever you say. <laughs> metroid or super metroid or metroid prime <laughs> or something yeah uh, I, I swear to god if uh, oh. uh if wyatt was in a coma uh, uh god forbid and so i feel like if you <laughs> went up to his ear while he was battling with death and you whispered yeah. super metroid into his comatose body <laughs> he would wake up uh <laughs> and like yeah and yeah that, that's a that's a very good way to put it also that's like the the story about Mel Blanc, you know, the original voice actor for it, where they were like, oh, they started reciting Elmer Fudd lines to them, and he came out of a coma to make Bugs Bunny quips. Uh, and it's so, like, yeah. well, that's bullshit. There's no way that that happened. I believe it. I believe it entirely. <laughs> oh, or I guess I'll say it's like, oh, it's like the ending of Coco, except for instead of like yeah. singing Remember Me, he talks about Super Metroid, the ending of Super Metroid. And then she's like, <laughs> she comes back. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, basically it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, if you know, like now you kind of have an idea of how passionate I am about Metroid and all that. So me comparing any game to super metroid and especially the ending of super metroid that's a fucking high praise so and that's this is I'm number not f- even saying it's the greatest and this is number five yeah number five <laughs> yeah, okay, number five okay, baby. All right. because because it's because it, that's really cool but the next game is so much more texturally interesting and bizarre and like I don't think anybody else is going to put this on their game of the year list but I have to be the one that does that number four is bug snacks yes uh, uh, Bug Snacks is one of the best indie games I've ever played. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bug Snacks is not a meme game, I promise you. It's not like Knack or whatever. It's a game by Young Horses, the guys who did Octo Dad. Yeah. I was going to say Octopath. Octopath. That's a different yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah. An Octopath Traveler guys made fucking Bug Snacks. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, but Bug Snacks is a, it's really hard to properly describe what it is. Yeah. It's really kind of a game that you need to play. Right. Uh, and I really enjoy that none of the trailers give any solid impression of what the fuck the game even is. Um, right. It's a, it's essentially a game that's like, a, it's similar to Ape Escape, where you're collecting creatures. But it's not like you need to collect every creature so it's not quite like ape escape so it's kind of like pokemon uh but like instead of using them to fight you're feeding them to people yeah and like 
it turns out that it's not a game about catching cute bugs and like having an Animal Crossing-esque fun community of cute characters. It's about going into a broken community uh, that was centered around what is essentially a cult leader, uh, though not not right. quite as dark, you know, or not yeah. as literal. It's not like, oh, it's sinister or whatever. Right. But like a cult of personality around somebody. And since that person went missing, everything fell apart and their personal misgivings uh, got the best of them and they everybody went their separate way. So it's about trying to mend this community and make them realize that having each other is far more important than having a leader that will like help them do whatever they want. Um, and it, it, I don't know. It's just so, it's so mature and thematically dense with all the different types of stuff that it talks about. The idea that like feeding people bug snacks is just feeding them something cute and tasty to fill a void in their soul that they're purposefully neglecting because it hurts too much to acknowledge. Right. You know, like things like that. And then, you know, it's just the game ends in such a bizarre, brilliant way that, uh, you know, I can't spoil it, but like, I don't know. I feel like to talk too deeply about how thematically rich Bugsnacks is would be to spoil too much about it. So I just say, go out of your way, play it. Uh, it it's not quite in the top three only because it is pretty fucking janky, but I like that. It's like a PS2 game. Uh, there is some lack of like telling you what the hell you're supposed to do to get some of the bug snacks that are mandatory. And then there are some where it's like, once you learn what you're supposed to do, it's like, Oh, what the fuck? I'm supposed to do this. It's like an annoying, stupid thing that you have to do. Right. So that kind of bogs it down, but I feel like the game has such an overall positive impression on me as a thing altogether that I can kind of just weather away those little critiques. I want to play it. Uh, whenever I uh, whenever I get on that PS5 train, oh yeah, I think I'm gonna go for it. I'm Absolutely, go for it. Yeah, get yourself some bug snacks. It's got the Caro Caro Benito song. Uh, that plays during. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say it plays during the end credits, and it is hilarious that it plays during the end credits. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, uh, I I just really love Octodad like a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. like more than just as a meme game. I just think it's a really smart, really awesome game. And uh, uh, yeah. So I I've been waiting on them to do something else for a while. So uh. Uh, I was really excited when Bug Snacks got first announced, like genuinely, not just as a meme. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, it's good to hear how good it is. Uh, and uh, you saying it's like a PS2 game uh, definitely perks my ears up. So. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Let's hear your top three. Let's go. All right. So this one shocked me. But number three is Doom Eternal. Uh, now, it doesn't shock me that what it's... What the fuck? It doesn't shock me that it's... In the top three, it shocks me that it's number three out of the top. Right, yeah. Uh, top five, um, because it's a game I love extremely dearly, and I thought mm-hmm. it like did the trick. It like it kind of like right. set the quarantine off on the right foot, and then everything spiraled into dog shit like a month later. But like you know, 
(laughs) But while it was there, it was, it was extremely helpful. And and we've talked about it before uh, in a different podcast. That is essentially the exact same thing as this. Uh, Though, you know, if you're listening uh, to, uh, if you're listening to this on the free feed, which will probably put this episode on the free feed um, just because it's not, you know, whatever it's a, it's it's not shit shooters, but it is Uh, in, in one of our Patreon podcasts, slight spoiler. I talked at length, you and I both about what, what makes doom eternal tick and like why it works so well as like a perfect 2020 game. Because uh, it is really yeah. a game about like people being angry <laughs> about how fucked up things are, and then you know, right. people in charge continually sacrificing the lives of humans, literally, you know, sacrificing their souls in yeah. Doom Eternal to just get their stupid, like you know, immediate future. Like they they can't see that far ahead you know that they they can only see like what's right in front of them so they're like oh we need to we need more of this energy so we gotta keep killing people and summoning demons and you know a doom guy himself kind of acts as like a, a sort of version of like an avatar of the rage that humanity has against like that society which causes them to die you know if that causes them to be sacrificed and like become fodder yeah you know for some stupid interdimensional nonsense that's going on it takes something that's like a ridiculous sci-fi plot or something that would be in like warhammer or whatever and like grounds it in humanity despite the fact that doom guy is this absurdly over-the-top cartoon character the likes of which the 80s had never even seen and the game cartoons it the fuck up in every single way aesthetically. Uh, you have like a, an evil legion of villains. You have like the floating, glowing question marks that you find for secrets, and you yeah. know, like everything about it uh, is just so much. Like they, I feel like the first game was them testing the waters to be like, can we be dumb? And then when people are like, this game is awesome because it's dumb, they're like, all right, free pass. So they went from making Evil Dead 2 to making Army of Darkness with this game. So Yeah, and then know. everybody was like, that's too far. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of there is a lot of people turned against this game, I think pretty, pretty hard. Uh, oh yeah. Like, 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 I guess, like, uh, culturally, I suppose, uh, or, or like, oh uh, yeah, I don't know, just in social spheres and stuff. It seems like this game's not that well liked. Uh, yeah, it's, I, it's, I pretty much agree with everything you're saying. I, I really love it. I think I, I love the cartoon shit. I love the weird Lord of the Rings like lore shit that uh-huh. everyone else apparently takes way too seriously because I think it's just funny. And like, yeah. and like, well, like, like, yeah, there's cool shit to say. I think it's fucking hilarious that like that, that they did that in a doom game and stuff. And like that combination of, of, of like cartoon, like super Mario bullshit and like uh Lord of the Rings and stuff like that comes together. What do you think of? I think of he man, and this mm-hmm. has He-Man energy. <laughs> like this has dumb oh, yeah. as fuck He-Man energy. And I, 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 yeah, I just ate it up. I just thought it was fun as shit. So, uh, yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm po- we're both positive on Doom Eternal. It's cool. <laughs> I'll say that like it's kind of 
the, I'll use this comparison. It's the Metroid Prime Two of Doom yeah. 2016's Metroid Prime One, where it's like more and like there's way more story, and it's more like it's less grounded in reality, but it's more like I don't know, useful as a game. Like it functions better as a game, even right. though it's like more departed from reality, but like. To me, like, I always say Metroid Prime, the original one, is my favorite, uh, but the Prime Trilogy is my favorite game of all time, because I feel like you kind of need all of them. You can't have just Gremlins. You need Gremlins, too, you know? Yeah, So I, I love... One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, and that's kind of how I feel about this, where it's like... Yeah, I get. I think the culture. I think the mindset will shift. What I think we're observing is that this is made for us, and like <laughs> Doom yeah. twenty sixteen, Doom twenty sixteen was on the edge where right. people before us, the the older millennials, or even you know older than that, could appreciate it and be like, oh man, this is a throwback. But then this is like a step too far. But us, we're right. like, oh yeah us like young millennials slash old zoomers we're like yeah we eat this fucking shit up well you know like so i feel like the conversation will turn whether it be in a couple years or or more where people will appreciate this game because there is so much to love about it not just aesthetically but gameplay wise i think it's excellent it's like i I don't know it's it's like playing fucking in MMO, <laughs> but you're yeah. playing Doom because all the different cooldowns that are just slightly microscopically different speeds, and you got to know like, okay, this and then this and then this and then this. Like in using it, it's so fiddly, but once it clicks, it fucking clicks, and yeah. just go to town with it. I I ate that game up. I 100%ed it, which I did not do with the original Doom. Uh, I think it has a far better final boss than the original Doom 2016. Uh, Right. But I think they're both important. I love both games. I mean, Doom 2016 was my favorite game of 2016. You know, so I think that they need to be, they both need to exist. But there are two more games that came out this year that I feel like uh, are the kind of games that I really want to see going forward. Uh, so, and they're going to be the two games that we're going to talk about a lot. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so yeah. I'll say what is maybe Nikki's pick, but I don't know for yes. sure. And that's my number two. And that's Final Fantasy seven R, which I will not talk about, but I'll, I'll wait until Nikki wants to talk yeah. about it. We'll, we'll leave it for that portion of the podcast. My number one leaves good old. Explode when defeated, endorsed. Thirteen right. Sentinels, Aegis Rim. Uh, this game is fucking bananas. I think we've <laughs> talked about it before yeah. on Shit Shooters many times, and it took me uh, kind of long to play through the game just because, like, yeah. it's a very, it's a very like unbalanced or uneven game in the way that it's paced. Uh, so, right. like, you, you can, in fact, play this game wrong and burn yourself out. 
in certain yeah, ways. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, like, I'm not necessarily saying it's a perfect game, as, you know, no game is perfect. But I think right. that as far as uh, interactive narratives and video games go, you really at this point can't get much better and more interesting than this uh, in a mainstream setting. And I mean, I wouldn't call it 13 Sentinels mainstream because, you know, it, it got, it got recommended for like what one award in the game awards. And then last of us two, which is not on my honorable mentions uh, because I didn't play it. <laughs> uh, maybe, you know, maybe I'll play the last of us games at some point. Who knows? I'm going to dishonorably um, <laughs> mention it. But fucking Neil Druckmann, more like um, Neil Dreckman. Oh man, fucking Ooh, get owned. Bam. Fucking. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I don't but, know. But, I didn't okay, play so it. Thirteen Sentinels. <laughs> it, it like we're gonna kind of get into a little bit of spoiler talk. Yeah. Uh, with this, because it's important to talk about. So so Nikki. Yeah. Um. Uh. You do not have this game as your number one. I so don't. why don't we, because I do kind of want to end this portion where we talk about what we agree with or what we, yeah. you know, maybe what we have uh, good to say about it. I have plenty of negative things to say right off the bat for right. the sake of fairness. Right. Uh, that will just further bolster my confidence in the fact that I chose this as my number one. Right. That even though it does all these things that I do not like, the good things that it does or the good that it does for video games as a medium outweighs that. Right. Uh, so why don't you, Hmm. You know what? I'll start with. Yeah. Yeah. A, maybe, a maybe you, that, you start and I'll feed yeah. off that. I'll feed off that. Yeah. 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 So just for the record, 13 Sentinels is a game about in the eighties, giant monsters show up. Teens have to fight them with robots. You learn everything leading up to that is an insane spider web of like <laughs> misinformation and like fucking, you know, uh, different characters intersecting with each other's at different right. points in the story. It's like, it's insane how they make what is essentially a fairly, like, fairly simple, straightforward progression into like, for each of the characters, like you're not doing anything interesting gameplay wise yeah. when you're playing like the adventure segments. Um, but like, they still make it insanely engaging because each character kind of intersects with one another uh, in some interesting ways. And you can play them in any order that you deem worthy. You also have the second side of the game, which is the robot RPG section of the game. It's like a tower defense thing. Right. Uh, the only other tower defense game that Vanillaware, the company that made this game, made was Grim Grimoire. I like the combat enough in this game that I considered buying Grim Grimoire on the PS. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe I'll play that this year. Anyway, this game does have some some issues, and I'll start it with it should have been the H Sentinels. Uh, <laughs> because there are like five characters at least that have like really weirdly impotent stories to them. Yeah. I will say that every character's story has one or two moments where it's like, Oh shit. With a big yeah. plot revelation. This game is essentially just plot twists. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But, like, there are certain characters that I'm, like, uh, due to the game being kind of a, like, naturally centered around repetition and, like, the daily lives of each of these people. Yeah. There, there are some that kind of, like, benefit from that, but some that aren't do not. I would say, like... For example, A Sekigahara is one of the weaker characters because, like, for sure, his story yeah. it just doesn't make any sense even after I beat the game. Uh, or, like, I mean, on purpose, it doesn't really make any sense, but like, it doesn't add anything really to the story because right. all of his events throughout the entire game have already happened during his story. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of like. And he doesn't have a very strong personality behind, like, cool guy with a gun. Uh, a character I really enjoy, Ninji Ogata, uh, has one of the weaker stories, despite it having a cool Groundhog Day loop to it. Uh, it kind of just ends with no real fanfare, unfortunately. Like, when it ended, I was like, what? It's over? Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, his uh, 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 his story kind of ends up kind of being like a weird footnote in uh, 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 oh fuck, oh no, it's been long enough to where I'm starting to forget names. Uh, yeah. uh, Hijiyama's story, I feel like, uh, yeah. and yeah. and a couple other stories and stuff as well. But yeah, yeah, no, there. I feel like there's definitely just a bit too many like like superfluous characters and stuff like like it's just like a handful but i feel like they could have mm-hmm. excised a handful and made it a bit cleaner uh yeah but that that initial mess is kind of like so captivating that i kind of get why they made it this big and this yeah <laughs> like this this intricate that's and, fair you know, uh the way I've kind yeah. of thought about it and stuff, uh, this is kind of getting into the, to the positive talk, but uh, uh, something that kind of, yeah, we can... uh, to, for, for my kind of descriptive, uh, for a, a sort of descriptive thing and stuff, I've had, I have a lot of comical descriptions of it where, where I, I've described it <laughs> once uh, to someone as uh, like trying to put together a 10,000 piece jigsaw puzzle uh, but you're in the presence of a giant industrial fan blowing directly at you. <laughs> Uh, just scattering yeah. the pieces everywhere to the wind. Uh, it's it's uh, it's like watching a soap opera with an RNG, <laughs> like like where yeah. it's just <laughs> randomly selecting episodes. Um, but I think it's kind of it's kind of just it, it's a visual novel or or just a sci-fi story in general, where the mystery is you're trying to find the opening crawl. So much, yeah. so many of the mysteries would be explained in an opening crawl that just lays out the situation, and then here's where our characters are at. But this game eschews that and has you just figure out what the fuck the opening crawl is almost, and has you like reverse engineer yeah. what the setting is. Um, and we'll get into that later because that's like probably my favorite thing in the game is this one reveal that like just dawns on you but uh 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 as for negative stuff uh, i do feel like it kind of uh ended like a a bit f- like not flat 
but it didn't get all the way there for me. Like it, it, it uh, uh, it's weird because I feel like this game reminded me in a lot of different ways to uh, near automata, which is a personal favorite of mine from the past several years. Uh, but uh, near automata, like really touched me emotionally in a way that this game never really uh, got close to because the game wasn't doing that. But because I'm such an emotional person and that's kind of like, uh, I don't know, just like a weird, like big priority for me when when like experiencing different pieces of art and stuff. And it's like the way that things stick out to me over time. Uh, it kind of, uh, I don't know, it kind of missed that particular mark for me uh, in a way that that almost makes mm-hmm. it start to fade away faster than I want it to from my mind. Like it doesn't stick itself yeah. out for me personally as far as I wish it would in in my brain and my heart, which is weird. It's a very personal thing. It's very like mileage may vary thing, and my mer- my mileage just happened to be just a bit shorter than than yours or some of the other people. That, that that's that's one yeah. thing. About- well, well, here yeah. I'll yeah I'll I'll say that yeah it's not necessarily that I like I did not weep mm-hmm. at the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not the satisfaction that I got yeah. from the ending. Uh, so it's not, it's, I do agree with you. Yeah, so yeah. you're not, yeah, yeah, no, you're not wrong. Uh, I do think that, like, I do think that Nier Automata ended extremely well. But, but I'll posit that I think that um, Nier Automata's greatest strengths is that it has a ton of emotional peaks. Right. And then it ends on a, like a really harrowing moment and right. then it, it recontextualizes it yeah, yeah. into something more hopeful. Right. Uh, whereas like this game, like it kind of like consistently ramps up and then levels off. Yeah. It doesn't like go yeah, down. Yeah. It, it just kind of like, once you get it, what's going on, then you're like, okay, well I want to see it to the end, right. but it never like, there, there's not too many points past that where you're like where it like ramps it up it does give you a satisfying conclusion yeah i think and and i do like the extended credit scene uh with all the the character payoffs and everything like that right um but like it's not it is more like something that a conventional despite how unconventional the story had been in presentation the way that it ended was like, you know, a, a pretty normal ending yeah, that you'd it, get from like a shonen yeah, it, manga. It's like it's like fan service for itself almost. Like it like it kind of knew yeah. that it was like cultivating this this cult thing. And that's another thing too, I guess, to note is that this game is going to be a game people will be telling you to play for years. This is gonna be one of those games yeah. that people are gonna be like that, that like it's not going to be many people, but a very select few people are going to be really annoying about how you should play this game for the next <laughs> several years. Like like I I'm uh, we're two of them and, and so. exactly exactly <laughs> like like we're doing it right now. You should play this game. It's great. Uh, but like yeah. But 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 this is going to be one of those games. Like like I can I can already see it and I already do see it. Uh, uh it's it's just yeah. it's just uh it's one of those games that really will stick with people. Uh, in that way, but uh, I th- I think I I think my point was that it's it's more interesting than it is like like uh, uh, you know emotionally like like captivating or like or or 
touching around. It, it ain't no, it ain't no Undertale. Let me tell you that much. All right, yeah. <laughs> it, ain't no, it ain't no Undertale. Yeah. It has a lot of similarities. <laughs> yeah. It has a lot of similarities to Undertale. Yeah. but uh, you know, right? It's not it, like Undertale. You know, that's its own thing. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, oh, it's, we'll talk oh, about that oh, in detail once Delta Rune <laughs> comes out. Oh. That will be Game of the Year, whatever year. Uh, yeah, yeah, that and and, and, uh, and that will be one we we uh, agree with. I'm fucking sure. <laughs> We're both gonna be like, yeah, this is the one. Um, <laughs> Unless Metroid Prime Four comes out that yeah, same then you're year, fucked. Then, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Um. Uh, but yeah. I will. I will. I'll say as far as another negative thing, uh, I have one kind of big thing and then one smaller thing right. that may be big depending on who you are, but like, you know, uh, one thing gameplay wise, I guess I'll say structurally to the game is what I kind of alluded to is that the game is structured in such a way that you have these three elements of it where you have an archive, a, a basically a dossier of both information you've already gathered from the adventure mode and, uh, and then you have like an index of key items and terms that you've heard that you can go through and like yeah. learn specific, like, okay, what's the specific context of this if you missed it? And it gets updated as you learn more about the game. You have the adventure mode where you go through with all 13 of the characters, their stories intersect. Some can't progress past a certain point yeah. until you like get a certain character to a certain point or you do a certain number of the missions in the robot game and the robot game, uh, which I do think is pretty fun. If you don't balance that just right, you could end up doing a ton of the adventure stuff. Cause it's very easy to just kind of like marathon it. Cause it's, right. you know, a lot of the chapters like are very short. They're usually like 10 minutes long like per chapter, 10 or 15 minutes of doing stuff. And they always end on a ridiculous cliffhanger. So you're like, fuck, I got to know what happens next. Or like, I got to check some other guy's story. Maybe I'll like see something I wouldn't have, you know? And that's the brilliance of that narrative. Right. The problem is a lot of them do require like getting to a certain point in the robot stuff. If you neglect that, uh, it's not as easy to marathon those missions. No. (laughs) So I I ended up... I ended up finding myself getting everybody to the point where they were all locked out uh, and I needed to do, you know, basically the entire second area of robot missions. And that's when I like kind of stopped playing the game for about a month. Um, I was also going through some shit, yeah. but you know, uh, everybody was going through some shit, <laughs> especially like, mm, like November or something. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> You know, uh, but uh, when I got back to it, it was kind of like one of those things where I started, I almost started to like resent the fact that I had to do these robot missions, despite me thinking that they are like texturally and like, they are really well-made visually, aesthetically, everything about that. They play well. They're over pretty quickly most of the time. Usually only takes you like three or four minutes to, to complete. Maybe not even that much. Uh, but like just, I don't know, the, the going, like just spending all of your time doing the passive stuff, such as the adventure mode, and then going in having to like, have a disproportionate amount of the active stuff 
they have to do to progress with that. I would say really consider going back and forth between them fairly regularly and not mainlining one until you have to go and do another. Yeah, uh, uh, because yeah. you will it, it will kind of burn you out because some of, they get pretty hard yeah. during the you know the final ones. So. Yeah, I, I will say uh, uh, I actually have a pretty different experience uh, than you do with that because I I did uh, do them pretty pretty evenly, yeah. and uh, I I honestly like came out very positive uh, about the battle stuff, and honestly I think uh, uh, that's one thing that I see as a common complaint that I just don't really jive with that much, just because uh, people yeah. talk about how like dead simple it is and everything and i think that that game needed to be that dead simple because if it was as deep or complex or as involved as the the story was the game would be completely overwhelming and i probably would have dropped it uh but the fact that the game lets yeah i agree yeah, i think it's a great yeah the, the fact that the game lets you just cool i think it's a great battle yeah, system. The, the fact that the game just lets you cool down with the battle system like it's like inverse and stuff like like the the, the dialogue stuff is yeah. not the cooldown it's it's uh uh it's it's the ramp up and the cooldown is just blowing shit up and watching it watching it go and stuff uh, uh it's kind of it, it really sucks that this game came out the same year as sakura wars because it, it like because it, because i think about sakura wars and i'm just like man like if only it had the structure uh of this or, or, or if only you could kind of go yeah. back and forth or I mean, also if only it had a good combat, but, 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 but you know, like, so, 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 yeah. I don't know, it just feels unfortunate. Cause I really, really wanted to be like soccer wars is fucking stellar guys and stuff, but, uh, uh, it's kind of yeah. like weird middle of the road and has a lot of issues, but, uh, 13 Sentinels was really satisfying because i was like ah this is this is this is what i was kind yeah, of looking for absolutely. out of that uh with the kind of visual novel mixed with with combat stuff um yeah i don't know uh who, who's who's your favorite sentinel you got to give it to me uh, yeah uh, i was gonna about to, <laughs> to pose that question wow. myself uh I, I would say absolutely my favorite uh, just because of how fascinating he is as a character across all of the timelines yeah. is Shu. Uh, I've described him as the ultimate boyfriend. Right. Um, he's like, <laughs> he's he's a very like yo from Shaman King type right. character. Yeah. The like cool laid back chill dude protagonist yeah. uh, to, to kind of counterbalance like, you know, the Yusuke from Yu Hakusho protagonist of Ninji and the, you know, uh, light novel dating sim <laughs> vanilla guy protagonist of Juro, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, you know, who I also think is a very yeah, fascinating yeah, character yeah. Uh, in a, in, in a very specific right. way. But I think that one of the most fascinating things about it is that there really is no antagonist. There is a force that is needed to be stopped but it was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> like you learn, like I won't spoil too much, but like every time they throw in, like this guy is definitely the antagonist. They're like, what if this guy is actually the antagonist? It's a red herring. Yeah. Or it's like, there's a, you know, they're doing weird or fucked up things, but they're not necessarily the root cause of all of the issues. Uh, what I think is great about the game 
uh, in general is that, you know, the character of Shu and then his different Tetsu Ida as well uh, is that like it kind of exemplifies the idea of like, you know, the, the, that these older generations make all of the issues and then force the younger generations to fix all of the problems that they caused. And it's like an insurmountable thing that has to be done. It feels impossible. One of the most, like some of the most pure dread that I felt was between the second area of the robot missions and the third area, you're given the like ultimatum that you have to fight constantly for over 12 hours (laughs) because of a character like going across the dark side of the moon so they wouldn't be in contact with you anymore to like slow the monsters coming Uh, and i was like holy fucking shit because every battle takes place over the course of like a couple minutes right in in real time it's like 30 seconds sometimes so like thinking about that going on for hours on hours and like every character being like so exhausted and crushed with stress it was almost like perfect that i had procrastinated with the robot stuff to do it all at once because like <laughs> yeah i felt that. <laughs> totally like <laughs> i totally yeah. related to the characters at that point uh so like the fact that adult versions of every single character exist and they all fucking suck in some way and they all fucked over <laughs> the protagonists in yeah. some way but the protagonists are going to be different and better despite them being genetically the same people in a lot of cases they're different in very key areas that's why i can appreciate you know the fascinating difference between like cool sexy assassin guy you know izumi jiro to karabe jiro being lame vanilla man right you know (laughs) Uh, i think that it's interesting that like despite you know it's kind of going for a nurture over nature uh reading of like you know uh, how you're raised and and you know forces that you enact on yourself are more important than like your genes you're not always going to live the exact same life it depends on you know there are things that will change that you're not just it's not just set in stone uh and i think that 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 gets across really well because uh you know, not to tip the game's hand too much, but the business of this game has been going on, like the plot of the game has been going on for an extraordinarily epically long time. Uh, and it's gotten to the point where it's like, literally it cannot happen anymore because it has gone on for so long. And this, and the problems have just been getting worse and worse and worse and building up because of like people off shooting their responsibility to the next generation that this has to be the one yeah, that yeah. fixes all the problems. And again, it's, it's nearly yeah. impossible. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's thematically appropriate, not only for Japanese culture, but just for <laughs> humanity. In if general, you were dealing you know? with global uh, warming, this so, game might have something to say to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's why Shu is my favorite character. He's just a, you know, his, his adult version of himself is very interesting, but mostly I like him cause he's like, He's like a cute yeah. boyfriend guy, you know, and, and he has like city pop playing on his TV and he's got like a Famicom 
and like all these yeah yeah it's no, yeah, no, i was gonna say he's he's he's, he's a hot yeah. boyfriend he's how is he uh, he's he's a hot cool friend <laughs> at uh at your at your school uh with a laser disc collection very sexy and uh in a motorcycle uh yeah. which is all right too i guess oh yeah <laughs> um uh and <laughs> uh, uh my favorite is hijiyama because uh he's he's uh oh, yeah uh outrageously he's outrageously he's gay. gay and stupid uh and he doesn't know how to handle <laughs> himself he, do- he doesn't he doesn't yeah. know what the fuck's going on and he also really likes his damn sammies he likes his damn yakis- <laughs> yakisoba pan uh he's very strange like like the first the first story you played with him you're like what the fuck is this guy and so like like because he's talking about world war (laughs) ii and he's 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 talking about this fucking sandwich like it like it's his wife you know like and and then and then he's 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 got this crush on this on this character that uh uh i feel like that you're given reason to be worried about pretty immediately and then it turns out the game's kind of chill about Mm -hmm. it and then sometimes the game's kind of not chill about it, but like generally, this game has a gay relationship and it and it rules. And uh, uh, I, th- I think it gets a yeah, it gets yeah. a at least at least a sample of approval well, from me. So so uh, yeah yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say that that the gay relationship it mercifully like none of them are chasers, you know, yeah. like the specific the object of Hijiyama's affection. He's not like no, a chaser. He's fucking with him. Yeah, like an offensive stereotype. Uh, it's like if, if it's like if Bugs Bunny's like 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 it's like if Bugs Bunny actually legit was into the dress gag he does with Elmer Fudd and like and like actually yeah. liked Elmer Fudd and then Elmer Fudd was literally in love with Bugs Bunny in the girl costume and that was just <laughs> an actual relationship. One. <laughs> Hey, got anyone doing Looney Tunes cartoons on HBO Max, make it happen. <laughs> I'm your audience for that. Make that cartoon happen. <laughs> but also, too, uh, uh, it, that's what just what the relationship is. And it's really funny because like like the the the, yeah. the character in question, uh, uh, Okino, is like, uh, I don't know, just like really interesting about it in the way they're portrayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Is it? Yeah. It's it, 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 like it really is not like a negative thing. It really is just like like some of the most like legit realistic flirting I've seen in a video game. It's like like real like Okino's really yeah. to- toying. I would say that they're like like playing mind games with him, and it's really funny and cute. Yeah. I, I would say that they they have my favorite mm-hmm. relationship uh not just because it's the only yeah. homosexual one uh because there's a ton of heterosexual relationships but like they're all uh they're all very like shoujo yeah. manga e, which is fine because this this game is based on shoujo manga uh yeah. heavily um and a couple other influences if there's one specific influence mm-hmm. of this game that like was shouted out by George Kamitani. Right. I can't remember its name, but it's an 80s right. OVA. And it literally gives away the whole plot <laughs> of the game. So do not look up oh, what that man. is. But there's an 80s OVA that has essentially the same premise as this game that's turns funny. out to have. And But that's the thing. 
learning what the premise of this game actually yeah. even is is like when you've completed all of yeah, the adventure yeah, mode. Yeah, the you know, you can kind of put it together like I was able to pretty early on with like just one piece of information pretty accurately predict where the story right. would go from that point on. But there was still a couple of twists where I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. You know, uh character identities and things like that never stop. The, yeah, the, the, there's me. there's one twist in particular. Uh, I guess I won't say specifically what it is, but uh one twist in particular that that really threw me for a loop and is a one of the most powerful like mind-bending twists i've seen in the game in quite a while uh like like you know a twist is good when the first reaction that you have is oh i've been asking the wrong questions like the angle i've been (laughs) conceiving this uh, like of this is like completely off base like i need to be in a completely different like zone thinking about this to understand what's happening Mm. here actually and stuff and like once you have that realization Oh no! It, it just feels really good. It, like this game is really expertly told. It's really wild. Uh, probably one of the best examples I've ever seen of like of a game that's clearly like written backwards. Uh, because again, it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. But then the fact that they take away some pretty big pieces of information and make you try to figure those out is really funny. Like it's like it's it's like a I don't know. Like I I feel like. I feel like there's some sort of game of telephone you could play using the loose premise of how they might have written this game. That would be really fun. It's just like, it's just telling a very simple story, but leaving out just like enough context that you're like, what the fuck is the context? And it becomes like thrilling. Uh, It's, it's, it's really good. And uh, uh, yeah, like there's, I really love the themes of like inherited entropy that these characters are just like fighting against and trying to deal with and trying to like even conceptualize themselves what's going on and, and how to, to get out of it and stuff. I will say, I think some of the ending stuff was like just a bit overkill. Like I, like I, I really appreciate it in one way. Cause I love the characters, but also I, I did have a thought, the thought a couple times during the like credits epilogue stuff. Where I was like, okay, I've kind of, I feel like I've seen enough. Like I feel, I feel like a lot of this is like too much. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. like, but, but I know it's fan service for itself, and it's for, it's basically, it's almost like, it's almost like they they packaged its own audio drama inside of the game, like as the end ending scene. So I can't yeah. get mad at it, but it also was just like. Like I didn't need any of it, <laughs> you know. Like it's not, and like none of it is that. It's all fluff. Yeah. But like, uh, uh, I don't know. And I like that in its own, its own funny way. And so I really like this game. Like it's great. Same. Uh, I think that the, I think mm-hmm. the ending, ending mm. leaves it off on a great note. Uh, uh, and I won't say exactly what it is, but like literally the the final scene of the game proper before the credits roll is like okay. Yeah. Cool. Cut. Print it. All good. It reminds me, in a way, of like, you know, of many great games that end on an ambiguous, like, note yeah. of hope. Yeah. Uh, and then I think like showing all of the fan service stuff is like it's very cute, but again, it's not it's not substantial. But it is like, oh, it. I said before in a private chat, 
that oh this ending reminds me of right. Homestuck. Yeah. Uh and and this whole this whole game reminds me of Homestuck in a lot of ways, but like essentially with Homestuck an ending happened where like the, the act 7 of the story was like an ending like uh, Andrew Hussey and whomever artist made like a, a 10 minute piece of like anime style right. animation for like the final moments of the story yeah. and it concluded it in that way. And in like, to me, I was like, okay, yeah, uh, I got the implication of the ending that it was like, Oh, we can't beat this invincible villain. We have to stop playing the game and then it will ah. be over. Uh, but people were really upset because they're like, what the fuck? Where my ships weren't confirmed or whatever. So there was a credits that came out like almost a year right. later. <laughs> that was like just where are they now of right. all the characters? Um and it was like 15 minutes of that. And I had that exact like like, oh, this is cute. And then when it got to like minute 10, I was like, all right, well, this needs to fucking <laughs> speed itself the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> At least the Naruto ending, it was one chapter. Yeah. Come yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that, so yes, I agree with you completely. Even though I thought, you know, I think the credits is cute, but like, you know, again, it's like, yeah, I've read fucking Naruto and I've read Dragon Ball and like, you know, it goes yeah, quicker than yeah, this. Yeah. Come on, guys. Let's, um, you know, uh, in, yeah. in a lot of ways, but. I'll say one one final point of like general criticism, and I guess I can sort of say pretty much all of Vanillaware is that like uh, they do go to some bizarre lengths to you know keep sexualizing a lot of these yeah. teenage girls. Uh, I'm fine with them. Okay, <laughs> I understand at the end of the story why they are naked in the right. robots. It makes sense, yeah. right? That doesn't mean I'm like, you know, I'm not Hideo Kojima being like, you once you understand, <laughs> you will feel ashamed, you know, or whatever. But like, it's just like, you know, I can see things like that up front. You know, there's a couple of things up front with the game that might turn people away, but I urge you to just keep playing. And anybody that, even if you're not an anime fan or a tokusatsu fan, uh, or just a fan of B movies in general, because this game is a huge, huge, yeah. like, I've barely even talked about how many references there are, which we won't talk about because there's many. a lot of them. Uh, but just know, I loved I loved every single one of them. There's never too many. Uh, too, right. too many in a good <laughs> yeah. way, I'll say. But, um, yeah. Uh, but... I could see people kind of being repelled from this. I've, I'm already like poisoned by anime. So like when I see a naked girl piloting a robot or like a quick upskirt shot of Yori, I'm like, I, I cringe, but I'm not like, fuck this game. It's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Grow up. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the, the, the general <laughs> thing of just like, oh, come on. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and then when like you know Hijiyama is like I'm not fucking gay, bro. 
Yeah. At first, I was and, like, and, oh, Jesus, really? Is this what this character is? And then he's like, and yeah. And then Okino takes a, and then Okino takes a bite of his carrot and goes, Nyuck, yeah, you want. Yeah, I was gonna say he <laughs> says, well, you know, getting pegged, like, hmm, I'm not gay though. <laughs> you're, you're fucking gay. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So hopefully that's kind of explained in a in a broad way all the different facets of this game why it's yeah. interesting it really does need to be played because again i think like its biggest achievements are in structure um and like the way that it does yeah. narrative and like <laughs> meta narrative and then meta meta narrative like it's it's insane like it's the idea that every single person will play through the game slightly differently the idea that like even something as simple as the dossier is part of the game because like there are many times where I had to go rewatch scenes because I'm like, Oh, this happened before this one. They're like one of the, when I saw what the first scene chronologically was, I was like, what the fuck? No, it's, (laughs) it's the, it's the biggest (laughs) jaw drop. Like, are you fucking for real? And so that's the first scene chronologically. Uh, yeah, no, um, I, I will say, like, huge point in this, like, seriously huge point in this game's favor. This is the only game where I felt actually compelled to read the fucking lore logs. And so I am a lore log hater, man. I don't fuck with Skyrim and stuff. I barely fuck with Mass Effect, you know, things like that. And so I don't fuck with lore logs, especially. You can't get me to read them. You can't pay me to read them. 13 sentinels yeah. actually got me to read him because i was like okay seriously like what the fuck is happening <laughs> it's great so yeah. there you go thumbs up 30 <sighs> sentinels you get yeah. wyatt phillips's yeah. game of the year 2020 terrible year great games lots that deserved love you know i love bug snacks i love doom eternal especially that was going to be my number one but you know finishing ff7 right. and and 13 sentinels i i feel like what they do as games, uh, I feel like will affect, you know, uh, the medium in a more significant way than Doom Eternal does. So, so I kind of put them oh. above that. So, yeah. and we'll talk more about Final Fantasy VII soon. But first, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I will say I'm pretty happy that we are at, at like one hour fifteen minutes because once we got to around the fifty minute mark, I was like, okay, if we end this at around one fifteen. We can make the whole podcast about two and a half hours, and that seems thick enough. Like It's longer than usual, and it's longer than I like to do podcasts, but it's big enough for this conversation, and it's pretty equal. So I'm going to try and keep it down to, to 2.30. Okay. But it, so if I fail on that, you guys can, can throw tomatoes yeah, at me yeah. and shit. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, so I will say as a disclaimer, um, 13 Sentinels, we could definitely dance around stuff and everything, because I feel like the discussion around that game, I feel like we both wanted to center the fact that you really should play this, because not many people did, and stuff, uh, but with Final Fantasy VII, it's a huge game, and its ending is enormously important to the, to, to how you will feel about that game as a whole, 
So we will be talking about oh, that yes. ending. We will be spoiling the shit out of Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's been out since April. I just want to make sure everyone knows this before we move on. Uh, but yeah, spoilers. That's my number one. But before we get into that, I have my games of the year, not in a list like Wyatt did. I have them in Ooh. tiers. So, so, uh, uh, because, because I had too many games I actually played. Uh, you were wrong on both accounts. One, I do have a section for, for games that didn't come out this <laughs> year. And two, uh, I did play more than five, Ooh. uh, games though. A good amount of them I didn't finish. So they're going to get kind of shout outs. Um, but first off, uh, I'm just going to kind of list these. The best old games that I played in 2020 are Hylix. Uh, I didn't play Hylix 2, even though that came out this year. I am making a point to you because Hylix is fucking awesome. It's like playing the cover of like a fucking Shade the Changing Man <laughs> or like Doom Patrol comic from the 90s. And it fucking yeah. owns. It's fucked up and weird. And it's like a psych rock album cover. It's awesome. Uh Yakuza 5. I played through the entire numbered series of Yakuza games this year. That's how bored I was in quarantine. But Yakuza 5 in particular is is my is my standout and my favorite in the series. It's the Dragon Quest 11 uh, of Yakuza games. Because it's hugely it long. It is gargantuan. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it's hugely long. It's got different perspectives like the uh uh, uh like a certain point in 11S. Uh it's got it's got a bunch of stuff going on, but it is, uh, 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 but the whole Yakuza series is great, but that one particularly, I really was impressed with, uh, the, the, the way it was told Shin Megami Tensei, the original for the super Nintendo is fascinating. And, uh, I'm going to be playing more of those games. I'm so stoked to play more of those games. And, uh, uh, I, I'm like literally like getting jitters. I want to play Shin Megami Tensei two like right now. So I'm probably going to as like my first game I will start in 2021. Um, but it's morality and the stuff that it does there. Uh, and I'm guessing this applies uh, series wide through all the numbered games, but uh, way more interesting and way more uh, consequential than any morality that's been in any fucking game from the years of fucking 2004 to 2019 or whatever the hell like like fable yeah. 2 mass effect get the fuck out of here with that shit it like it is that shit is like preschool shit compared to some of the actual like cool and interesting perspectives that you kind of get in a shin megami tensei game so uh 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 yeah that's right shin megami tensei we have oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm with you brothers <laughs> somewhere where we, we stand alone um Dragon Quest Five. I'm literally in the process of finishing it. Um, surrounding this podcast, I'm like in the grinding stages of like about to do the final stuff. But that game is special and clearly influenced in a huge way. My favorite game of all time, Mother Three. Uh, so if you like Mother Three, or if you like JRPGs in general, you should play Dragon Quest Five. It's fucking special and fucking monumental as an achievement. And it came out within a month of Shin Megami Tensei back in 92, which is ridiculous to think about. Um, and then my favorite game that didn't come out this year that I played was Killer7. Mm. It's a masterpiece. Suda51 is one of my favorite creators just across any medium. He's fantastic and fascinating. And 
just cool and funny as shit. And Killer7, I think, is probably his opus. And he teases every <laughs> now and again about doing a director's cut version. And I want to see that game <laughs> really bad, even if it is worse than just the original GameCube game. Uh, I, d- d- because... Uh, oh no, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. I think everyone in the world should play Killer Seven. It's great. Uh, well, anyway. here before you go on, uh, yes, I, I have a couple. Uh, right, I have a right. couple old games that I played that I put on. I put on the list. Yeah, it was yeah, going to leave for the end, but since you brought it up now, I'll, I'll mm. give my three favorite of this year that I played in order. Uh, these are all games okay. that I've maybe like two of them are games that I've played before but never finished. Uh, and right. then one is one that I played cold this year and that's my favorite so we'll get to that but very quickly you know because i don't want to take over your segments but just while we're on this topic of old <laughs> games i played through i completed rye star for the first time the sega game uh because i recently yeah. got not recently uh summer i got a <laughs> mega sg the uh you know nice sexy analog hdmi sega genesis console that runs uh, Genesis FPGA, which is essentially like hardware emulation, uh, but a perfected right. version of that. Uh, Rystar is fucking awesome. It's one of the best Genesis games out there. Not quite as good as Dynamite Heady in my estimate, but it is very high up there. And I, I cry every single day that Sonic Team just stops making weird games like this anymore. At least we have Yuji Naka yeah. making Balan Wonderland this year uh i'm yeah that game looks extremely wild. happy excited for that one <laughs> another one that i really loved was suikoden the first suikoden game i had played like halfway through it before like a year ago in 2019 and then this year in 2020 yeah. uh i had purchased all of the games except for the second one uh and then uh, i already had suikoden one on ps1 from years ago uh so I decided to finally just fucking buckle down and play through it. Uh, it. It's fucking a great, extremely good. It's like a super, super Nintendo game. Very early PS1 game. I think 1995 uh, was when it came out. And yeah, Konami RPG. And it it's it exists mostly in people's mind as a preamble to Suikoden 2, which is a, a absolutely fucking fantastic game from what i've played uh and i am definitely going to play it this year all the way through um but yeah this game itself though really impressed me and especially how like they kind of had their eyes were bigger than their stomach in a way where they had this great idea of like what if there were 108 characters and then they, they were like, oh, fuck, <laughs> we have to make 108 characters. However, they do a they do a pretty good job of giving them all something to do. Not all of them are combatants. So I think only about 40 of them are, which is still a lot. But the fact that they gave unique designs to 108 characters, they all have unique purposes and they all have specific character traits. Uh, that's big, like happening that early in the history of rpgs relatively like you know it would lead the way to things like uh, a later game radiata stories by triace like that's a game that has a ton of characters that all have their specific personalities it would lead to animal crossing you know where it's like you know you have this huge world and all these uh, like 
hundreds of animal characters, uh, all with very specific personality quirks and designs and everything. Uh, Suikoden, the first one is very important, even if it's not as emotionally like heart-wrenching as the second one. And my favorite game that is not from this year that I played this year, old game, is the indie game Zero Ranger. Uh, that game fucking is crazy as fuck. Uh, <laughs> that game is... It's one of the the most fun I've had playing one of the hardest games I've ever played. I think that... At, I think even if you're adverse to hard games, you should absolutely play it because it's kind of about the idea that you will eventually get through a hard game with persistence. Uh, you know, it's, it's similar to yeah. similar to dark souls in a way. Uh, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, but, but like literally and metatextually, it's about reincarnation because it's uh Hindu themed and it had, it's about like a karmic cycle. The idea that the amount of stuff you do, well in one run of the game will carry over to the next run of the game and will give you a significant advantage in that next run and it just keeps your karma from previous lives keeps building up and up and up until you make it to the end and then you're able to use all your karma to help you against the final boss i have not even beaten this game beaten the true final boss i've beaten the final boss which is insanely hard uh, but I've not been the true final <laughs> boss, which is not insanely hard in the same way. It's very specifically difficult in a different way. And I won't say in what way, but absolutely play this game. If you love, you know, shooters or not, if you like cool, weird indie games, if you like Undertale and Gurren Lagann, play this game. So that's all. Hell Yeah. All right, and uh, uh, to 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 go on with with my segment just a bit more and stuff. Uh, very quick shout outs of games I didn't even get close to, <laughs> to finishing and stuff. Uh, Animal Crossing: New Horizons for the same reasons why it said before and stuff so eloquently. Like it's just it, it helped out in a very precise moment, and I just wish I spent more time with it. Uh, Grindstone, Ooh. which is a really fucking yeah. fun and just violent puzzle game i bought it on a whim on christmas uh because i got some gamestop uh cash and um mm-hmm. uh because my parents just didn't know what to get me. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh uh, uh yeah no it's it, it's it's super fun and and uh uh cool it kind of has like a, i don't know it has like a really fun sense of humor it's kind of like uh somewhere in between like uh an adventure time and like an adult swim show yeah. that i just can't i can't place like a, i can't name a specific one it's like but it's kind of somewhere yeah just somewhere around there and stuff and it's just funny uh like like they call the monster like the the monsters that you fight that are like the match threes or however much or ever that you can that you chain through and stuff to get through the levels and stuff they call them all jerks and and and, and, uh and and uh like uh uh, i don't know just other names like that but jerks is like the the base level one and it's just fun uh uh and uh, i want to pick away at it and stuff every time i pick up my switch i keep getting 
uh, uh, tempted to, to spend some more time in it and stuff. Uh, I hear it came out on Apple Arcade first, mm-hmm. like last uh, in 2019 and stuff. So I guess it doesn't quite count for 2020, but it came out on Switch this month or this past month in December of 2020. So yeah. uh, uh, it counts. And my last shout out goes to solid state drives. You guys are the best. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yes, they are. (laughs) Yeah, both me and Wyatt got next gen consoles. I got an Xbox because my brother got an Xbox and Wyatt got a PS5. And uh, holy shit. Oh, yeah. the, the, The way that games load now. Oh, I'm oh never going back. Quick, I can't. Like, quick like, travel's <laughs> actually quick now. Like I was playing Spider-Man yeah, Miles no. Morales, and there's the the you know before you had the the quick travel, and then there'd be the loading screen where it's like Peter on the subway, uh, and it's like mm-hmm. oh that's cool, but just right. being like holding down the triangle button, and then the screen turns black for like one second and then comes back in and you're where you are. And it's like, all right, thank you. Yeah. There you go. PS five, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fucking, uh, uh, Yakuza, uh, like a dragon. I, I, uh, uh, I started that game on Xbox one S and the loading was really rough on it. And sometimes even like the pop in was pretty bad xbox series x patched that shit right the fuck up yeah <laughs> made that game behave like <laughs> that, 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 shit, that game was fucking nice after oh, that yeah. so uh uh yeah so, solid state drives uh, the mvp of 2020 let me tell you made my life a whole lot easier um my lowest tier for actual 2020 games uh is mixed where I feel like mentioning them because 2020, I feel like I, I, I just played a lot of stuff I felt was interesting in some mm. fundamental way, but uh, not enough to get to the upper cruft or whatever. So I won't really describe these in too much detail. Soccer Wars, I kind of described in the 13 Sentinel section. I really wanted to like it. And there's a lot of stuff about it that I do think is really sweet and everything. And I just really want more Soccer Wars. I, I, Honestly, more than a new Soccer Wars, which I would I would be down for another one. Uh, uh, I, I I just I really want a remaster collection of at least one through four. Five would be nice, but one through four from my research and some people I've consulted that have played those games. Uh, one through four is like one continuous like narrative. Yeah, that 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 like that really comes to an end, a very big end in four. And if they can at least do like they put just one through four on a PS4 disc and sell it to me, mm. I will buy that hand over fist. I want those games. Oh, but yeah, uh, the one we have is kind of just weird and middling. And I wish it was better, though. Tite Kubo. Hey, you. I don't like Bleach very much, but you did pretty damn good on those designs. Some pretty big bazoingas, some pretty big boobs. But hey, look, yeah, uh, everyone has their failings. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, yours is yeah. specifically that, but 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 those are cool character designs. Um, I'll I'll say that it didn't appear yeah. on my list because not only did I not beat the game, uh, I might, but mm-hmm. like I just grew so bored with it by the end that yeah, I just kind of yeah. like stopped. I do really enjoy a lot about it, but right, yeah, uh, and I do own all of the other Soccer Wars games, and I know you're thinking, oh, wow, you just well, say that they're you. not on. Not in English. Well, I have a Japanese Saturn, so there you go. 
Uh, <laughs> but I, and I also, the fifth one was released in America. Uh, yeah, it's, I got it and it was pretty cheap when I got it, but now it's like fucking ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it is, it is not pretty cheap. Yeah. It's pretty not cheap. I got uh, it for, I got it complete and it comes in like a, yeah. a, an art box and everything for like 40 bucks. And, and at the time I was like, Hmm, maybe a little steep for this game. Uh, and then now it's like two hundred dollars. So yeah. what are you gonna do? That's COVID for you, baby. Prices shot yeah. way up on retro games, especially PS2, GameCube. Uh, they went the most buck wild yeah. with those. Uh, but I, I definitely do want to play the Soccer Wars games. I'm not confident in my Japanese literacy enough at all at this point to play them like cold right. but i'm I, but i believe a translation patch of the first one came out recently uh and uh, yeah it did and i have in the mail uh because i'm a patron to this guy dr abrasive who is making a thing called the sega satiator but essentially a thing you plug into the video slot on the back of the saturn and it's like bam now you can play burnt games uh, or and you can nice. like update games that you have a physical disc for with a patch with like an uh, an SD card or a yeah wow so that's that's crazy yeah that's really cool uh it's not that's not out to the public yet it is just like a beta testing thing um, right so the plan for that is to like get it to a point in development that it's easily purchasable under one hundred dollars. Instead of like right two hundred dollars or whatever, which is what I paid for it, uh, but yeah, maybe I'll get into some soccer wars, the classic games this year. But we'll see. I have a lot on my maybe. I have a lot of plans this year as far as games I want to play. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, 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 the next one is Gears Tactics, uh, which is a great like XCOM like, and I love I love Gears and stuff. It's it's fantastic. It's, Gears is my favorite shooter series. I fucking mm. love Gears so much. Gears 2 and 3, masterful. What what incredible games. Uh if you've got Game Pass, you should you should be checking out some Gears. Um especially if you've got a buddy you can play it with. It's best. Uh but Tactics uh, uh I'm putting in the mix slot and everything because uh I very much intended on finishing it. But I got to a mission uh that didn't make me want to finish it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I got, got to a specific mission that uh, was absolutely hellishly difficult, and I'm sure I could probably figure it out, but I just was not feeling it anymore. And the story is also like uh, kind of a, like I, I know it's gears, right? It's not fucking, you know, 13 Sentinels, not fucking Shakespeare. All right. But like yeah. it, the, the, the story in tactics is like a bit too thin for me to like really like commit and stuff. So I ended up kind of passing it off. Um as a pair, I'm going to say Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity and One Piece Pirate Warriors 4. Both are lovely Musou games because I fucking love Musou games and it's very hard to get me to dislike a Musou game and I don't dislike either of these games. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, however, Hyrule Warriors has me feeling complicated feelings about Zelda, which has stemmed from Breath of the Wild, which I have alternative opinions on, let's say. <laughs> and uh, 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 And... I don't know, just the way it, it, some of its story stuff works, like, is really not resonating with me. But I am, like, really enjoying playing it, though. Uh, Spear, Link, 
and Mifa are fucking beautiful. It's, they're so yeah. fun. Uh, and uh, 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 I'll also say Urbosa is a lot of fun too. She's got like this charge mechanic with lightning that she casts on her sword and stuff. And it like, it, it just does these insane chain moves. It's awesome. Uh, and the part where four, I fucking, I love me w- one piece. What can I say? <laughs> this one has hmm. Luffy. This one has Luffy gear four in it and a bunch of samurai. So like, I cannot pass it up. Is it as good as Pirate Warriors 3? No, Pirate Warriors 3 is the gold standard for Musos. <laughs> but <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, but yeah. Pirate Warriors 4 is pretty good. And my last mixed one is uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Oh, I want to yeah. throw it out there because, because I love these games. I fucking love me Mario. But these these probably should have had a bit more of extra looks to like uh like oomph they should have had some more some more moxie to them these mm. these these remasters they, they really uh uncharacteristically for nintendo though maybe characteristically for nintendo in 2020 uh considering fire yeah. emblem uh came out and is kind of i don't know it feels like they just tossed it on there i don't know it's weird but nintendo uh i, I feel like they could have done more with this and they didn't and it's weird I'm not going to complain that much because I really like playing these games on my switch, especially with the pro controller. Cause I love my pro controller, but uh, yeah, uh, just felt needed mentioning. So in terms of actually great games, um, I will say I have two tiers that are basically equal. I have, I, I have like uh, uh, games I think are really interesting, but flawed and I kind of like them more than the other tier. And then the other tier are games that are like pretty much impressive in every single way. But, but I just, they just don't get there for me. Like, I guess like emotionally or like in terms of like interest, uh, Tony Hawk's pro skater one and two love it, love it, love it. It, it, it's, it's the pro, pro skater game that everyone's needed. Yeah. I yeah. want, vicarious i want vicarious visions to basically only make these games from now (laughs) until the end of time because they're so good at it here uh i'm almost inclined to say this is the best tony hawk has ever been it's better than you remember tony hawk being like almost like it is it is unreal just how good tony hawk's pro skater one and two is uh love it doom eternal love it for the reasons we've already explained before so i won't really retread um uh, and uh, I will also mention Resident Evil 3, which I think is super underrated, which yeah. feels ridiculous to say, because Resident Evil is one of the most popular <laughs> game series out mm-hmm. there. But people are just really weird about this game and their expectations for it, which is, I guess, foreshadowing on the big topic we're going to get to in just a minute. But uh, uh, the way people kind of projected uh what they wanted on this game and what it actually is which is a doubling down of the action movie segments of resident evil 3 nemesis which i feel like are the true segments of that game that are memorable to me uh into into uh and to my brother who is a even bigger resident evil fan than i am uh i think resident evil 3 pulls that off beautifully and the fact that it's fucking like five hours if that is like wonderful <laughs> it's, it, it's so tight and well put together it's like uh you know like sure you can make the argument that it could have just been an expansion for resident evil 2 but 
eh, whatever. <laughs> like, I, I don't care. It gave me a lot of enjoyment this year, and uh, I think its replayability options are ridiculous. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, like, honestly, some, like, really funny... Like, like there's a there's a knife you can buy with points that you get from your completion bonuses in this game that just instantly sets everything on fire <laughs> that you cut with it. Yeah. And that just makes you go through the game even faster. Like that's fuck. That's fantastic. I love it. Uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. like made for speed runs. It's great. Um, and then uh, I will say in terms of games that I think are truly interesting. And I think are the kind of upper crust, um 13 sentinels is my number two of the year if i had to say a number two um but you know we've already talked about that extensively fantastic game please play it um and then right under that uh i would say is yakuza like a dragon which i really love but i think so yakuza like a dragon is like my number three and then my other game which is number four if i had to number them would be paper mario the origami king um so play that at all <laughs> yeah yeah so i will say um yakuza like a dragon just kind of just because it's kind of a more of a known entity since i've already talked about yakuza 5 uh yakuza like a dragon is really great and i'm very happy as much as i grew to love the beat-em-up style of the previous games and i love kiryu and i love all those characters i'm very happy for the fre- a breath of fresh air they put into the series with Ichiban and with the turn-based system. It's really fantastic. And I'm glad that this game got to be a launch title for Xbox. Um, I just think that with all things, especially whenever you have a, a game series that you're changing the entire structure of just, just full, just, just fully, you know, yeah. it's like you're taking off the tablecloth and all the decorations and all the plates and everything and just replacing it with something else. Um, it takes growing to do that. And I think the RPG stuff is not quite there. There's some difficulty spikes that I think are, are too rough around the edges that almost remind me of like PS2 games and not a modern JRPG by a well-oiled JRPG dev, you know, like you don't get some of the issues you get in Yakuza Like a Dragon with say Square Enix or fucking, uh, uh, you know, uh even like the tales games or or, or, like you just don't Mm. get it in in those other rpgs uh but you do but you do get it here and that's not that's not to say it's a bad game at all it's fucking wonderful and made me cry it's it's uh really special and i think it is they they really toe a fine line uh of of making it for like longtime hardcore fans and also making it for newcomers uh but i think there's that, and then there's some of the inelegancies of the job system. It just falls just a bit under the mark for being like my game of the year. Um, mm. But it's great. It's, it's it's a fantastic Yakuza game, and it's probably like my third favorite Yakuza or something. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it doesn't quite get there. Um, and the last game is... Okay, I'll, I'll talk about Paper Mario for a second. I love <laughs> the Origami King. It really impressed me i think um though i think it's weird because it kind of it's 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 uh uh it's a game that gets better as it goes on the last Mm -hmm. few sections of origami king are honestly like 
ridiculously good like i i was yeah. astonished at how much i was enjoying the writing and the scenarios and the uh and even like the game design behind it and stuff but the game does not manage to make a fantastic first impression at all in the first leg of the game like you really have to like work at it and once you get to the first actual boss fight where they change the mechanics of the battles on you and you like mm. and it clicks that is the point where the game's like okay now we're gonna really start and it's like really really good this game has a lot of things that i really just didn't expect out of out of out of paper mario game uh and uh uh and in terms of like even having like structural surprises too like i don't know like would i say it's like better than the first two probably not (laughs) i have too much nostalgia tied to the first game and thousand year door is like a masterpiece (laughs) so i can't really say that and even super paper mario was like weird as fucking fuck and like i just love it (laughs) and stuff so like so like but 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 i think origami king is a is a very definitive fourth and i think like like just to spoil one thing because i can't believe it's in this and it's not even like a huge thing this game has like its own little version of wind waker in it like like there's a moment where it just opens up and it's like you get a boat and then it's like okay now figure out a puzzle that basically like spans this entire ocean and like yeah and, and it's basically like a weird like wind waker riff and i couldn't believe what was fucking happening and also there's an extended sequence featuring Kamek and Bowser Jr. That is straight up the funniest fucking shit I've played in a game all year, I think. Uh, uh, I, and, and it definitely is influenced in part by B, my, by me being a, an enormous Bowser Jr. fan. I love him. Yeah. With all of my heart, he's my, he's my favorite little bastard. But... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, but I, I just thought I just thought parts of this game were just magical, like it, like it really. But but it's all kind of stuffed in like that second half, uh, so you do kind of have to work through it a bit more, a bit and like kind of warm yourself up to it. But it, it's got some stuff going on. It's really good. Now let's talk about my favorite game of the year, which is <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, yeah. So this one. Yeah. Um. I. I, I kind of. <laughs> I really didn't expect this to stick around the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like, like yeah. whenever, it, whenever it came out, whenever it first came out, uh, uh, I think, I think like, uh, on, on our old podcast on the, like one of the first one, like first one or two episodes of this is not a Tokusatsu podcast, which is the first version of shit shooters. Uh, shit shooters is the version since the kind of relaunch of explode when defeated into just podcast form. Um, th- there was a moment where we were like, oh no, where, where, where I was just like, this is really good. And, uh, I see it being game of the year, but I don't know. I, I just had it like, uh, I, I just, I just, I, I always make room for like, I, I'm surely going to be surprised by something. I thought 13 Sentinels was going to be it for a minute, but then it just, just seven remake. I just keep thinking about, I just, it, it, it yeah. is, it is stuck with me like really hard like almost more than like 15 did and we're both 15 lovers and 7 15 15 really fucking stuck to stuck with me it still sticks with me but 7 remake is wild so this game has been uh speculated to be made (laughs) and 
not made, mm-hmm. and then and then made, and then not quite made, and then the remade of itself <laughs> because CyberConnect Two was going to make it at some point, and then now like Square took over, and then fucking like Nomura, like, yeah. So, so like you've got Nomura and Katase, and I feel like for some people that are like long term Square Enix fans that almost becomes worrying <laughs> because you're like, do these people who were there at the beginning when this game, it was actually happening, actually remember what was good about this game? Because you think about like Advent children and how like, okay, Advent children fucking whips, <laughs> but like, is it an accurate representation of the themes of final fantasy seven? Not quite. <laughs> Yeah, and you think about cloud and kingdom hearts and is that an accurate representation of the cloud no <laughs> but yeah but then this game comes around and it's just like oh it's just right here it's always been here like you almost feel foolish for doubting it almost uh mm-hmm. oh no how do you feel like like what like what are your thoughts i'm I, i'm i'm almost my, at my a thoughts, loss as to where to start yeah i guess my and, thoughts is that they did it they really actually did it yeah like that's that's kind of what impresses me the most about this game because i i will be frank i was not excited about it at all yeah. uh, i'm a huge fan of the first or the original final fantasy yeah. the the ps1 game i think it's an amazing game and i think more so than just the midgar part is extremely interesting yeah uh and i think that a lot of the most fascinating stuff that happens are after that Right, uh, me we'll too. We'll get into it later. I think yeah. we'll get into it later, but I think that that's why I'm interested a lot in this game. Um, but I will say that, like, I don't know. They they took what Final Fantasy VII felt like and made it real. Right, if that makes any sense, you know, they yeah, took yeah. the feeling of it, it's almost like you know, Breath of the Wild taking the feeling of the first Zelda and then turning it into a its own bespoke video game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. in a more, like, literal, like, narrative sense where it's, like, with RPGs, especially PS1 games, there's a lot of hole filling that you have to do mentally and emotionally. Uh, you got to meet the game halfway right. in a lot of cases because yeah. they do give you a lot, but there are some pieces that you're going to have to connect yourself as far as like, you know, oh, was this an intentional bit of characterization or was this unintentional? Was this, you know, like things like that. Uh, this game is so upfront and confident with what it is and what it's doing that, you know, it washes away any doubt. Yeah. That yeah. the people making it know exactly why Final Fantasy VII is good and people like it and why people like any of these characters and in fact, like in a lot of ways, they kind of reimagined certain aspects of characters to the point that it retroactively makes them love them more than they ever did yeah. in the past. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, a lot with Aerith, I would say. Uh, but like, but yeah. mostly I'm talking about the other members of Avalanche. Right. Uh, where it's like wet bigs wedge jesse are all excellent oh okay maybe not wedge but like bigs and jesse are both very good entertaining interesting multifaceted characters 
you yeah. know, and like they were not in the original, and like the like say for example, Jesse dying in the original Final Fantasy VII was a oh man, that character's dead. Oh shit. Yeah. Anyone can die, but in this, it's like heartbreaking and horrible because you've there's an entire chapter that you do like literally like meeting her <laughs> her parents yeah. and like learning her entire history and like her her story her life story and her parents life story and like in meticulous detail yeah uh, and it's brilliant i mean that chapter itself uh is so good uh, we'll get into the quote unquote filler of the game and and how i feel about it uh, but like, as far as a new addition to the game, uh, absolutely welcome. I think the thing about Final Fantasy VII is people like the characters and what they represent first and foremost, and because of that, they get invested in the weird, heady nonsense that it eventually gets to. Yeah. Um, and like, I think that that is the most enduring thing about this game that. I know a ton of people who still like the game despite hating the ending because they liked the journey there. Right. I will say, I I will say up front that I enjoyed what the ending did and we'll talk about it more in detail later, but oh, that's kind of my, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's just kind of my thing. They, they did it. They succeeded in capturing what everybody loves off final fantasy seven. They knew it all along. Yeah. And it turns out that like Crisis Core was not a fluke. Yeah, no, that wasn't accident. <laughs> that wasn't accidentally a good game. Right, it was, like Avon Children was accidentally a bad, stupid movie. Yeah, that's the fluke. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, though Advent Children fucking owns. <laughs> like, they're, they're yeah, like, I love Advent Children, but like it's yeah. representative of like yeah. how bizarre and like yeah. up its own ass. It, it's uh, Final Fantasy VII as a property got, but then you play something like Crisis Core, and people are like, "Whoa, why is this good?" And it's like, it's more like, "Why was that bad?" Or like, right, "Why was right. that not good?" Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Because it, at the end of the day, they like. I don't know. This world is just a good, interesting world. The more you dig into it, every facet of it, like even like the deeper you go into like lore about the world, like I'm personally fascinated with everything. I would have loved a game about the Cetra and like them first encountering Genova or something like that, you know? Right. Like I would have, like I know that that's a little. EU Star Warsy, you know, right, whatever. Right, right. But like, I don't know. I think like th- this world and everything that sets up and its intense detail is just so good that I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, uh, you know, s- something, something, game. something that uh, I think I think my crystallized fucking what? Oh God, what nine month old? Like, <laughs> it's how long has it been since I played this fucking game? <laughs> like nine months. Yeah long gestated i became pregnant with this take and i birthed it and i'm showing it to you now uh <laughs> uh, uh uh draw that on deviant <laughs> nice. but but uh, mm. uh um is that this game makes the subtext text and the old text subtext 
<laughs> it like kind of flips yeah. the script in a really strange way that like I, I just I I can't get enough of. This is make like uh 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 like readjust your expectations. I think, and this is gonna get into the big spoilers, but uh, I'm gonna drop this now, and then we'll really dig into it later. That this is the Final Fantasy VII remake, literally. But it is also Final Fantasy VII 2. <laughs> and, yes. and the subtext of Final Fantasy VII, because it is made in 2020, when every issue that pervaded the world that Final Fantasy VII was trying to warn and trying to spread awareness of and trying to make messages about, is even worse now to like fucking like a times 100 fucking degree. Right. Uh, uh, all of that stuff, uh, uh, is, is, is just laid out there for you in, in Final Fantasy seven remake, because I think it's so urgent now that like, yes, motherfucker, please stop killing the planet. Like, you know, like it's stuff like that where it's just like, it's, it's just so upfront and again, confident with with what with everything it's doing in regards to the characters and and especially the the uh, ecological aspects of the plot and what it means that like uh, I just couldn't get enough of it and stuff and the way that it kind of builds out certain other details that were really like shocking to me and stuff like uh, Wu Tai. Fucking Wutai is name dropped all the time, and it's not just a fucking Yuffie thing. It is not just a oh, we're gonna ha- yeah. we're gonna have a character there. I think, due to the nature of how the sequel may be, that there will be a sizable amount of that game set in Wutai, uh, where where serious actual story stuff is gonna happen because the, the, they they are setting up so much with like a conflict and with this like fear mongering. Uh, that like is unique to this game that just furthers the point of the original Final Fantasy VII. Like this is this is remake as supplemental in like the most effective, most uh, uh, just faithful way, and it's perfect be, uh, in this specific instance because of how available the original Final Fantasy VII is. It's very easy to get in touch with that game and play it and really take it in on its own terms and then take this on its own terms too. This is no replacement. And I think that is where a lot of people like, like that might be like kind of hitching on this game and not quite connecting with it and stuff. That may be one of the things that they're really hitching on is that this game is not that (laughs) it's not a replacement. It's not supposed to be anything like, like this is yeah. Like, sure. This is fan service in a lot of ways, but I, I, I think it's more, uh like fan affirmation is more is uh, like it's not even affirmation it's like it's a uh, uh it's it's like reteaching you the lesson like it's almost like okay you guys didn't quite get it let's go over it one more time in more detail like that's <laughs> almost the tone of it yeah <laughs> you know uh with with other plot things that are uh also are interesting uh notwithstanding and stuff but um uh uh, when it, when it comes to game stuff, I feel like this is stuff that can kind of get into negative territory. But I personally connected so hard with the battle uh, system of this game. I think, yeah, I yeah. think it is the best battle system 
uh, in the series since I haven't played it. <laughs> I'm just assuming things just because of how cool I think the system is. But I'm going to say 12 is the last fantastic system. If you want to push that aside, then we can say 10. But needless to say, it, it thir- 13 yeah. and 15 are kind of duds in their own unique way that are interesting. I think they're both fascinating battle systems, but they just do not connect for me in certain ways. Uh, and mm. seven remake almost puts them both in like this gumbo and just like reduces them, you know, like, like, I don't know, just puts them, just puts them together in this, like in this, in this really incredible, like synthesis um, that, that, that is just like one of the tastiest, crunchiest, just this <laughs> most, like well put together textured battle like systems I've, I've possibly ever used, especially in the past several years. Like it it is, uh, it is really enjoyable. And I felt like I was constantly learning something new about the combat. Uh, the only issue though, and this is kind of an issue. (laughs) It's kind of a, kind of a decent issue. Uh, aerial combat kind of sucks. Every time you got to jump up to yeah, fight it, something, it it, ju- it just kind of falls apart a little bit. Uh, unless you're using Barrett. Uh, but if Barrett's not there, yeah, Barrett rules. Unless you're not, uh, if Barrett's not there though, uh oh. <laughs> oh yeah, the the part where you're climbing yeah, up the, the um the tower to to stop the plates and you have to fight the hello mm-hmm. troopers. That's fucking miserable. That sucks so bad yeah. because like you can only use magic once you have the atb yeah. up and the atb fills very slowly unless you're attacking right. uh and you can't attack because they're fucking flying <laughs> off of the stage so you need to either wait a while or like get lucky enough that they're in proximity for you to hit them and then you can hit them with magic and they like doesn't even do that much damage to them it just sucks they suck. <laughs> You're right. Aerial combat does suck. I do, but I do think that I would be shocked if Final Fantasy 16 doesn't incorporate. You know, I, my ideal version of Final Fantasy 16 is like taking taking away the party members and making it like a just a full on character yeah. action game but with like quests yeah, in it. Uh, like that's what I, that's what I'm dreaming 16 is. Right. Is that it's like, because what I've seen from trailers and, and kinda, things like that. It looks like, like that. You'll maybe have like <laughs> characters. Yeah. Will there'll be characters that are present and things like that, but uh, you maybe won't have a party. Right. And let me guess, let me tell you something. Your party is damn near fucking worthless. Uh, in Final Fantasy VII Remake most of the time, because you have to do everything for them. Uh, yeah, you the, have a- to the AI needs work, for sure. Use, yeah, yeah, like you have to like use magic if you want to use magic. You have to, like, you can't even program them in similar ways to Donald and Goofy right. from Kingdom Hearts, uh, where it's like, okay, well, if you get below this amount of health, Donald will heal you. Or, like, Goofy, if he has the MP, will use... Right. This special attack. Uh, you can't do that. <laughs> like, for some reason, they just don't have that. It feels like a huge right. oversight. So th- that's one thing I absolutely want uh, in a PS5 sequel to Final Fantasy VII Remake, or just in the PS5 version. 
Right. Yeah. Just put it yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah. In the PS5 version that runs at a silky smooth 60 FPS, uh, put that put that in there, and maybe. No, they can't do it. I was going to say, find a way to cut out all the moments where you have to squeeze between things to mask loading times. <laughs> um, but they, they can't do that. It's too it's too weaved into the narrative. I, I, I kind of love out. those things. They're kind of cute. It's, oh, no, I feel like they're endearing. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I like them. And it just always makes me think of like, it just makes me remember yeah. that I'm playing like, it just reminds me so much of The Last of Us or God of right, War. Right, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, this really, like, there is kind of a charm to Final Fantasy VII being given The Last of Us treatment. Yeah. I think some people maybe interpret that as, like, it losing some of its soul. And I think maybe, in a way, they're right. But I also think it also gained so much from it that it's hard to say... Like I would be hard pressed to say that it's like more soulless yeah. quotes than yeah. the original, anyway. Uh, especially because, you know, for as like weird and controversial as many of the story decisions were in Last of Us Two, uh, this is controversial in a more like theological way, or like a, in a more like it's not like pertaining to any real issue issues that human beings have with reality it's like a weird video game problem that people have with the ending right you know and it's a it's a problem with their own nostalgia that they have and you know it's an inner problem rather than like this is possibly the homophobic or like misogynistic right you know with uh the last of us too um yeah it's uh uh i'm i'm really oh man uh okay another another uh as as we kind of like I guess can, can kind of journey toward the ending and stuff. Uh, I will say uh, the third, mm. fourth of the game, like let's say that like uh, uh, kind of like, uh, I don't know, just there's, there's parts in, in that third, fourth of the game. Yeah. Like if you know what I mean, where that, that are like that sag in, in the narrative department and where like the, 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 the game kind of spins its wheels a little bit um i don't exactly i don't exactly yeah. think it's uh like them like i don't even think it's filler i really think that like they just at some point had too many ideas for midgar that they were like all right and now there's a flying fish boss in the fucking hojo laboratory stuff and then it's like why <laughs> it's like what like yeah. what? like like there's like that boss in particular i was like this is a final fantasy 13 boss they just stuck in this game and so like it's very strange yeah. um yeah I, I will i will say for yeah okay so there's a lot of complaints about the game having filler because right. there's a ton of new stuff added in to supplement and bolster the original right. material to make it feel like it is a full length 40 hour right. RPG. Uh, and for the most part, it does succeed, but there are some chapters in some moments that are just so worthless. And like that, it's like, I don't, I don't think it's a problem with it. Like I have no problem with it being right. filler. I, I'm all for an entire chapter hanging out with Jesse. You know, I'm fucking all for like, all of the the additional stuff, like a new tournament arc being added in Wall Market, like that's excellent. So good. And, 
Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, in the the Hell House yeah, is yeah. an amazing boss I, I, fight. I love the motorcycle um, knife pervert. I love. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's great yeah yeah and like and there's a lot about shinra tower which i think is is great too but then there's things like the shitty segments where you're playing as tifa like jumping on like fixtures <laughs> or like oh you fucking uh rat stole your oh, thing God. and you gotta chase it down in the sewer and you gotta refight a boss <laughs> that you fought and it's like <laughs> Things yeah. like that are are less acceptable. Right. <laughs> I, it didn't. I don't hate it. I think yeah. the only time that I got sick of it was Hojo's Lab. That whole section, I did not have any fun during because it was like it wasn't like at least the stupid Tifa shit isn't mechanically in like it's not like it's so fluff that it's just like yeah. time consuming and that's it. Whereas, like, you actually do have to be paying attention with the Hojo's Lab yeah. stuff, but it's so, like, grinds the story, which is really gearing up at that point, to fucking a halt that you're just like, God damn yeah. it. <laughs> But I know they wanted to do, one, a final dungeon, and two, they wanted to have a reason to have Red 13 yeah. be a member yeah. of your party. But, you know, so I yeah. understand the, the that for it, but, like... You know, I, I, I hate to sound like I'm just copying what Tim Rogers <laughs> said or issues in his yeah. review, uh, because I rewatched it after I had finished the game, and I, it was less that like, oh my god, he influenced my opinion, and more like, oh wow, I did, I forgot that we have like I came out with a lot of these problems naturally. And then rewatching that video, I'm like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I guess he complains about yeah, it here, yeah. too, you know, uh, which I think is I think is interesting. Like, I think a lot of the side quests are fine, but most of them are just go here, kill a monster, come back, quick cutscene. Bam. Right. Uh, I did all of them in the first two side quest hubs, but then in the, the last one where it's like, let's help some people before we go to the final battle. I did like a couple of side quests. I did the one that I felt was the most engaging, which is fighting the behemoth. Uh, and then after that, I was like, okay, well, I really don't care about finding Chocobo in alleyways. Yeah. So uh, I'm just going to go to the end of the yeah, game. I, now. I, uh, I, so. I, Yakuza, Yakuza completely shattered my fucking brain. And like, I did every side quest like like just impulsively i couldn't even <laughs> control it i just saw an explanation point on the on the uh on the map and i just went i'm doing that now and so like, like i didn't even i could i couldn't help it uh 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 one day i'll yeah. learn not to do that anymore but i i don't know if i can uh, but uh uh yeah no i i basically <laughs> agree with a lot of that stuff uh uh the red 13 stuff i think is almost like uh i i i love red 13 that's a good dog. Uh, and, uh, 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 but I have two issues. One should have had a little child's voice. I think that would have been funnier. And, and I think, I mm. think it would have been yep. on point and also kind of foreshadowed the character without like, it, it would just, it, like, like people would just been like, Oh man, this is weird and stuff. If they didn't play Final Fantasy seven, but like, Oh no, it would have been weird and kind of foreshadowing and just like meaty as like a little like texture thing to that character for him to be like, super scarred and fucked up looking and stuff. And then he's just like, got a 12 year old voice. Like I really, 
wanted him to sound like yeah, fucking it, Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Like that's that's what I wanted him to sound like. <laughs> I was I was yeah. expecting it. I was expecting it because she's like, yeah, because Aerith calls him a child. Yeah, yeah but, but <laughs> like in the scene, in, like I'm not sure if you remember because you played yeah. it fucking eight months ago. But you know, <laughs> but but yeah. I played it very recently and, and just finished it. So her saying like, wait, this this child is hurt. <laughs> And Red and 13's like, like oh, okay, so is it going to sound like a child? And it's like, yeah, what's <laughs> up? I'm Red 13. Oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I did indeed, as the children say, Pog, when Cosmo Canyon started playing as a lead oh, motif man. for his character theme when he began yeah, uh, 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 talking. So thumbs up for that. Music oh, in general Jesus. blew my mind because I was so I was so ready for it to just be shitty orchestra be like the spider-man games where it's like yeah, the most no. generic music that i could ever like there's like a th- main theme to the spider-man yeah. games and i'm embarrassed whenever they try to make it a thing because <laughs> i'm like this theme sucks stop making stop trying to make it a thing like you in a very quick tangent in miles morales you have like a app that allows people to like send requests right for spider-man missions and whenever you complete it it plays like a cute text tone version of the theme and every time it happened i was annoyed (laughs) instead of charmed because the theme sucks and it's not a cool thing hamauzi went fucking off with the with the fucking seven remake soundtrack there's like a million composers and stuff but he's the one that like people are really point to and stuff because uh he did 13 and 13 has a ridiculous soundtrack 13 soundtrack is by far the best thing about that game in my opinion and so the the battle theme and 13 (laughs) both battle themes in 13 are like ridiculous like like all-time best final fantasy or uh, like songs and like and it's like it's, it's like completely ridiculous compared to like like the quality of that game's story and you're just like this is gibberish (laughs) (laughs) uh but but that aside uh man seven remake like yeah the music is ridiculous and and really weird in like the most delightful ways the fucking song that plays like in that little like uh uh like broken down like tunnel section that is just completely just it's like it's like it's like borderline penis music like it's just like a cacophony of like <laughs> of like weird sounds and noises that plays when that, that that like weird like a uh, biker gang like tries to assault you or whatever uh it's it's like yeah. ridiculous and then wall market has just an unbelievable uh theme and stuff like uh just really great stuff but like uh the renditions of the actual like uh you know old final fantasy tunes and stuff like like uh in like the really big memorable ones and the themes and stuff like oh, oh. my god <laughs> one yeah. oh my god i was like literally in yeah. tears of joy at not only a specific boss fight yes at the end but like at the second uh-huh. phase of the boss fight the original theme for that yeah. boss started playing <laughs> i guess we will just talk about spoilers uh, now just just Uh, look you've had months to play this fucking game so yeah so i was unbelievably happy (laughs) to see genova show up yeah as a boss fight (laughs) because i was like oh man it would be really cool if genova showed up but it's not quite 
that yeah. part of the story yet. It takes until you go to Costa de Sol uh, for you to fight Genova for the first time. But then she just it, fucking d- d- just fucking matter. fight her anyway. Yeah. And then like at first it's like a cool epic like ooh a remix of the Genova synthesis yeah you know, the G the Genova theme and then halfway through the battle when it like kicks into gear and summons all yeah. the tentacles and shit and the original I was like like I said I was in like tears yeah. from like joy yeah. Like, fuck yeah <laughs> fuck okay. yes so much about the ending like sequence just fucking like kills me oh yeah oh, okay sorry uh really quick because i because we had we had a thing about red 13 uh uh, I I love that he's in there oh, yeah. and stuff, but 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 it's it's a bit weird that he's not in the battle system. But I get that because he's only in a couple hours of game. Uh, uh, Final Fantasy remake, Final Fantasy Seven remake two is gonna. I, I'm so excited to play as him and like Sid and stuff. Uh, but also I, I have to mention because it's my favorite animation oh, yes. in the game. Love Sid. The animation of him pulling the lever for you that you see like 13,000 times cute. in that section is adorable. And I love <laughs> it. And, and, and it makes up for any, anything else I had bad to say about the game. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, so, so yeah, uh, like uh, the fucking just this, the whispers, dude, the, the whispers, like, like <laughs> I, I was like, I was kind of like, is this, are they trying to make like, are they are they trying to force Final Fantasy VII to happen? And then that was what, what was happening. Like you get your first, uh, you get your first inclination yeah. whenever, like in the in the post intro, like uh, where 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 Sephiroth starts showing up, and you're like, he doesn't show up here. And so many of the the moments, the, so many of the moments <laughs> where you think, wait a minute, uh, this isn't how it was in the old game. It can be answered with just a quick answer and this this answers everything anyone has to say about the game on on some level on a narrative level is that this ain't that game this is final fantasy 7 remake it's not yeah. final fantasy 7 it's it is it is its own thing and uh, uh it, and, it, and it, it is it is a, a version of final fantasy 7 with quite literally final fantasy 7's original story in hindsight like they remember that game yeah <laughs> so but they, but they don't but they don't know they yeah. remember and that was the realization of that ha- like instilling in me gave me chills and i was getting extremely excited like uh this sounds bad this sounds like i'm making a joke criticizing the game i mean this genuinely like with with utmost sincerity i love this and i love tetsuya nomura because he's fully completely out of his mind for doing this and as well as everybody else involved (laughs) with this game the last three hours of this game is the best e3 trailer i've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) it is it is it got me so pumped (laughs) for for anything coming after yeah uh uh like the fucking Mm -hmm the boss fight with the whispers and then and then like and then eventually you, oh you, you figure out you're like wait a minute 
that the gun sword like, like wait wait this is <laughs> their representation is of cloud barrett and tifa trying to stop themselves from from yeah. from from changing the future and like and uh and it, it's like and then uh uh like i don't know I'm, i feel like i'm going too fast but but the reveal the reveal of the final oh, no. final boss who is of course sephiroth and the fact that it, it that that the that yep. after all those revelations about the true nature of this game and then you realize wait this is happening because sephiroth is trying to find a version of final fantasy 7 in which he wins that is that is yeah. the game <laughs> it is is <laughs> like like the fucking boss fight the the music I I was like crying whenever he showed up and stuff like I I it it, it really had not dawned on me <laughs> that uh, until playing this game that one Final Fantasy 7 is my favorite Final Fantasy. I've been saying 9 for years. This is it. <laughs> like Final Fantasy 7 is my favorite because I don't yep. even think a 9 remake could have done this to me. <laughs> and then and and then no, two no. uh that uh i i give a i give a lot of fucks about sephiroth in a ways i didn't think i did uh and uh uh yeah like the 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 boss fight happening it being pretty fucking difficult but suitably so and then uh 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 at least for me because i'm not that good uh uh but but uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but they and then the cutscene where they're in space, <laughs> like, 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 dude. Okay, I, I like, like again, talking yeah. my balls off, dude. I'm like, like, and I'm and I'm going through it all over again, yeah. just talking about it. I've been waiting for this conversation, listeners, for a long time. I've been waiting for Wyatt to finish this fucking game I, and talk about it with me this whole time. <laughs> yeah. I guess if I can give my opinion on this whole thing is that like, yes. I think it's brilliant that the game pretty much does do everything that right. you want it to do. Like it does play the game up into a point. And then the second that, well, you do the very, they of course have to recreate the shitty ass escape uh, of Shinra. Uh, but right before you get to that point where you leave Midgar they make leaving Midgar into like a really yeah. big thing by making it like, all right, we're going to go into this, like we're going to cross this boundary. And once we do, who knows that, what's going to happen? That, that is the you biggest know, uh, question. And the most exciting it, thing about this game is what is happening next? Because it's not, yeah. What was already written in 1997 is it's something else. Yeah. I I think the thing yeah. that excites me is that uh Final Fantasy, as I said before, one of the best things about 7 is that it has a very like it has a endlessly yeah. deep world of its own creation and it has these consistent elements of it and the right. whispers are new. Like they're new to this game and I think it's very smart for them to destroy them yes. at the end of this game so that whatever happens next will be like different, but it's still within the realm of possibility of final right. fantasy seven. Whereas like the, the whispers were like a thing where it's like, okay, these are like, 
this is reality trying to shift things, but because of that, it's like it's like the yeah, magician yeah. showing its hand. Uh, you know, it, it's like saying like the fabric, you know, the seams of the fabric. Um, so like removing that and being like, okay, now nothing will fuck with us when we try to like turn the course of fate. Uh, I think, you know, because there's so much, like one of the most spoiled moments in video game mm-hmm. history is Aerith dying. So the fact that they get oh. to play with that and the will they won't yeah. they of Aerith dying is brilliant. The fact that that is, it's not known if she will, and that even if she does, it will yeah, still be yeah, a shock yeah. to people because it they is such don't a know good if trick. it will happen or not. It is such a good uh, trick they played. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, this is such a fucking masterstroke in, in playing with fan expectations that, like, fucking everyone writing a major blockbuster needs to take fucking notes. Like, like this is wild. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I, I love the idea of like, because I was always fascinated with the relationship of like Sephiroth and Genova as like, Genova is this like timeless being yeah. that's been hurtling through space and devouring planets and is like bigger mm-hmm. and more important than anything. But Sephiroth is even yeah. more important than her because the like the reason why throughout the game whenever you talk to Sephiroth, you then fight Genova afterwards is because that's Genova exerting herself in some degree right. as Sephiroth. But Sephiroth is so strong-willed that he's able to, like, kind of take control yeah. for himself. And that idea taking full form of, like, I feel like what this game does uh, to satisfy my own nerdy uh-huh. uh, shit, I guess, is that... Like, it, it fully realizes the true scope of how terrifying yeah. something like that would be by being like, what if this thing, like, wouldn't take death for an answer and would just go to a different reality and try yeah. to make it so it did win? It, it's, then, you know. Yeah, like, like it's, it's that, implying, idea... like, DC Comics fucking multiverse shit to Final Fantasy, and that is, like, the wildest thing to me. Is that, like, it is... It's it's fucking like yeah. it is astounding, and uh, uh, I think, and, and there's a lot of implications and a lot of stuff people can like kind of interpret, and uh, I'm really interested in all of those things of like like and just uh, I'm I'm so excited for this next game, especially because like yeah, like you said, like the metafiction part of it, of at least the conflict is kind of over. Uh, like, like that kind of, that stuff is off the table mm. now. And I feel like anything that happens from this point onward is these specific characters, these specific versions of these characters, it's on their hands, whatever happens. So there's almost like more regret that they yeah. like broke fate to do what they're about to do. And if what they're about to do fucking fails in some way, then that's like, even more shocking like 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 and, and and that is like even more devastating that like yeah not even breaking fate could like save something like Aerith if Aerith does die still or or if if, if someone just has to die anyway and so I have my own personal <laughs> theory about that but I want to get into that privately because I don't want to spoil the next game <laughs> 
by, by, by talking about it, possibly. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that after the podcast. Uh, we should probably wrap things up and stuff. But but I, I, I just I'm just so in love with this game because it like it just uh, 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 like for, for any flaws that it has and everything, it's so well polished and so well put together against mm-hmm. all odds <laughs> it's such a <laughs> like the yeah yeah it's such a beautiful gift like i was so happy yeah. it was created like at right. the end of it when i didn't want it beforehand but it showed me through like diligence and love that i'm like you know what fuck yeah, yeah. i'm glad games like this exist i'm glad games like this like 13 sentinels yeah. Bug snacks and yakuza and like all these fucking games right can come out in 2020 at the at the end of a console's life and into the next right. consoles you know that we can still have these weird textually interesting right. innovative or just like thought-provoking games like final fantasy 7 right. like it may not be doing anything new as far as like it's discrete parts but the way that it's put together and the amount of love that it shows for the original, the amount of like personality and like yeah. payoff that it gives to characters that everybody has loved for decades, you know, now people can really truly proudly say, I love Cloud, I love Barrett and Tifa and Aerith, all these characters. And I hope we get that going forward with characters like yeah. Sid and Yuffie, and even, <laughs> even old Vincent. I hope, yeah, he gets I, I, some, I hope they have like a whole like you know. <laughs> weird third person shooter like section just to like pay homage to that somehow. Uh, uh, to fucking dirge of Cerberus. Um, yeah. And like looking into the future and stuff, I think it just, uh, it has like implications for what people could be doing with their franchises and with, and with uh, their, their uh, works and stuff. I, I think it is important that, it was specifically Nomura and Katase and just people that worked on that original Final Fantasy VII that thought of and made this. And I think the perfect version of mm. this sort of thought that I'm having would happen in a world where we don't have IP completely controlled by corporations and stuff and that like copyright law can kind of come and go in 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 a reasonable fashion and not like in a disney dictated that never goes away you hold on to what you have forever fashion and stuff but this almost reminds me of like what you could get yeah if like video games had their own like dracula right like think about dracula and think about how many versions of dracula there are and how many kind of loop back in on themselves like that not exactly get metatextual but like really reformat what that story is for different eras and for different uh uh, audiences and stuff and and i think uh uh, that sort of like found art transformation is something that video games can't really have because it's made post because video games kind of became what they are post the 80s post a lot of like capitalism like getting extremely Mm. fucking high strung and extremely like uh, you know, end game level, right? But uh, 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 it's all, like Final Fantasy VII Remake is almost this like bizarre mirror world version, like like vision in, into like what possibly could be, you know, or could have been where 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 people are kind of just taking yeah. like things that they love and just running with it, and they're able to just make the these 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 works of fiction that just like you know contort these these recognizable 
figures like like old monsters and things and then just uh making this making them into something else entirely and i i i I don't know i just love thinking about that stuff like seven remake is is uh very good (laughs) it makes me think about art in a very huge way and no other game did that for me this year thumbs up um uh the the uh dancing segment where you're dancing with with, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah the best segment in the it, entire it, game yeah uh, seriously seriously good so, <laughs> uh, so, yes, so very, very one good. last thing that i guess we can end with is uh it, in terms of games that you think might be coming out in 2021 name like three like you don't have to go into it just name three that you are really excited for and maybe what we'll, maybe if we do this next year we can look back on it and see how those turned out and stuff yeah before we sign off well first and foremost first and foremost next month is the release of bravely default mm-hmm. 2 i'm uh really excited for that one i think it would be great if final fantasy 16 also came out this year so we yeah. could get like a classic style final fantasy right. game and a new one in the yeah. same year uh but either way like bravely default 2 extraordinarily excited for that for many, many reasons. I love the briefly games yeah. a lot and I love the Octopath Traveler. So uh really hope that that one knocks that out of the park. If not, mm, shrug. Uh but <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll I will not pay attention to any criticism because frankly, like even though the first game is beloved, a lot of the criticism I do not agree with at all, uh about the ending specifically yeah. of that game. So uh, I want to make my own opinions on it. Uh, as far as other games that come out this year that I'm I'm excited for, really, you know, uh, it seems like maybe like a, a not as cool indie guy of a pick as I normally go for. But yes, I am very excited for the new Ratchet and Clank game. Yeah. I think, you know, it looks like one of the well, PS5 games that actually uses the power of the ps5 appropriately so i'm really excited for that and and the ratchet and clank games are just very very fun action games every single time uh so i'm I'm excited to play as ratchet uh (laughs) (laughs) but uh, (laughs) you know going forward uh and then you know what else i'm just thinking about it might be coming out this year. There's a couple. There's a couple of 2021 you can, games. I'm like, yeah. I'm you can name out some ones that are vague in release that that you really just get that you're hopeful. You know, yeah. If you want, I guess I'm I'm curious, uh, because this has been kind of it was kind of a quiet year for Nintendo. Uh, I'm just excited to see whatever they have. Yeah. This year, yeah. because like. They didn't do a lot, and then a lot of people hated them by the yeah. end of the year because of all their PR stuff. Uh, and I totally agree with all that. But, uh, you know, as a game-making company, I like their games, so I will continue to play their <laughs> right. games. Uh, that's just capitalism, baby. Uh, so if they make another Mario Odyssey, thumbs God. up. Absolutely want to see that. If they finally release breath of the wild 2 or show any gameplay of it at all thumbs up uh if they actually are within 
the finish line is in sight of Metroid Prime 4 and they show it off, then thumbs up. You know, those are kind of the biggest ones there. But as far as like concrete games coming out this year, very excited for, you know, uh, those like just a lot of, you know, general PS5 games. Those two that I mentioned with Bravely Default 2 and, and Ratchet and Clank, Final Fantasy 16, of course. And, um, which I hope comes out this year. Uh, and then, uh, what was the other one that I was going to say? Resident Evil Man, 8. okay, so, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And I want to play through all the Resident Evil games before. Oh, man, you'll, you'll have a so. trip. Uh, uh, so, yeah, um, I think Resident Evil 8, I loved Resident Evil 7. Uh, so, so uh, like, I think, I, I think out of the newest Resident Evil games, like a lot of people say 2, like the remake of 2, is the best one mm-hmm. out of the like the recent crop uh but i still think seven's my favorite it it's it's so it's so fun there's like a weird like comedy to it that's like different uh, uh in a pretty meaningful way from yeah. from how resident evil had been funny before uh and uh it's like genuinely scary in a way resident evil rarely is uh but uh yeah i I love it uh that's i guess that's my first one i'll say and then uh, i'll also say uh shin megami tensei 5 uh because that game looks dope as shit (laughs) and i want to play nocturne because i've never played that game and i'm ready to and uh, i don't know playing that first smt like really opened my eyes and i I just want to devour that series right now so i'll probably be doing that uh a lot uh, and uh, the game I'm most excited for is, uh, uh, I mean, okay, Final Fantasy 16, please. I would love to see that game come out as soon as possible. That <laughs> game looks great. Um, yeah, but yeah. Number one is 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 No More Heroes three. I am uh, just such a such a big Suda oh, fan, course. such a big Suda fan, and uh, I am I, I was so big in fact that I think Travis Strikes Again is like secretly brilliant and. Uh, uh, kind of tackles things in a in a similar ish way to Final Fantasy VII in kind of being a uh, uh, an artist revisiting his own work in this in the in the span of video games and really kind of reckoning with that and really kind of uh, 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 like uh, mashing a bunch of things together and really kind of uh, uh, examining his his career in a weird way like it's very like that game is almost like autobiographical like for goichi suda as much as it is like a travis touchdown game it's very interesting and uh uh i think knowing heroes 3 has potential to really pay a, a lot of stuff off super hard and uh to to really uh i don't know just become just just something huge like like the implications of some of the stuff in travis tricks again mm-hmm. makes me uh very curious above all else about no more heroes 3 but i i am i'm very excited about that game uh i, I want that game more than anything else right now but yeah. um yeah i think i think that should about do it uh this has been a long episode about games that came out in 2020 yeah. uh we have been chilling out talking video games just just fucking cool and straight cool in it but uh uh we're gonna go ahead and sign off and stuff uh explodium defeated uh you know uh 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 if uh, i guess this might be on the public feed we'll see but <laughs> like check out the patreon if you haven't already 
if you're on the Patreon, hello. D- d- thank you for money. <laughs> we, we do. Uh, uh, well, yeah. we, got that, we got that $5 tier. It's got Common Rider episodes on it. If you want to watch Common Rider with us, you got you to gotta jump on that tier real quick for us, buddy. But if you're on $1, you're on, you're on the Shit Shooters Brigade. You're, you're, you're listening to us shoot the shit and, have, and, and just have fun and uh, uh, talk off topic stuff. Uh, including very big episodes like this. And uh, uh, we'll be getting on some more Discuss All Monsters adventures uh, very soon where we're, we're gearing back up with a bunch of stuff. And yep. uh, yeah, uh, you can find Wyatt at... at <laughs> I'm just going to say both of our sign-offs. <laughs> you can, I'm, I just want to get this episode <laughs> going. Uh, you can find Wyatt, you can find yeah, Wyatt on, on Twitter at uh, W-A-Z-P Ranger uh, on... Uh, Twitter, and you can find me on Twitter at anti underscore laser. Thank you for listening to these to this very big podcast about primarily about two games we really loved, and uh, minorly about a bunch of other games we loved. Uh, uh, but uh, no. yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see you guys around, uh, and maybe next year we'll talk about games, and hopefully some of the ones we said right at the end here are there too. So see you around. Have a good one. <laughs>